plays you've seen? Plays I've seen. And I remember in community college, I saw Buried Child, which is an incredibly depressing story about just like a southern family and like an abortion and like a buried child. <laughs> it's called Buried Child. Yeah, I don't remember who feels wrote a little it. on the nose, right? Um, there was one where like a like a relig someone was on trial, but it was like in heaven. There were a bunch of like religious figures who were like pulled for it. Don't remember what that was called. But Broadway, I've seen um, To Kill a Mockingbird with um, Dumb and Dumber's Jeff Daniels. Fantastic. I saw I saw The Glass Menagerie with Sally Field. Pretty Ooh. good. I met her after. She was very kind. Then I ran into Jared, no, uh, James Franco, because he's just he just walks around places. You ran into him? Yeah, like he was there. Did you share a moment? I almost bumped into him and I was like, what? Nah, he was like being ushered away by the famous police. Steal a kiss? God, I wish. Could you imagine? I have kissed Alton Brown on the cheek. Yes, you have. I have. Just a brief little moment. (laughs) Um, I saw Hand of God, which was like a newer play about like a puppet that takes over a boy. (laughs) Like a a sock puppet. It It was really funny. That was good. I can't think of anything else. I saw An Act of God. That was fun. A lot of godly plays. A lot of god plays. I feel like I'm missing one, but that's probably the bulk. I feel like I've seen more musicals in general. Yeah, that's unsurprising. You know, right I, up there with I'm kissing a... Alton Brown on the cheek. <laughs> it's just part of your character. It's It just builds up who I am as a person. Well, we're back at it again. Dern after reading. We're here to watch every Laura Dern thing. And uh, it's probably going to be about another year, everybody. So buckle up. (laughs) Tell your friend. No flipping. No flipping. (laughs) You can flip now. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Um... This should be a fun one. We've got. Oh yeah, this is compared to last week. This is going to be an absolute fun fair. Briefly, what do you got? What do I got? What's your movie? Oh, my movie was a terrible football movie from 2014. Um, It's awful. It's super religious. It's the whole movie is religion, football, religion, football. Bad things happen. Bad things happen. Religion, football. (laughs) I did we just. Did we just kill Little Dern? I don't know. There's more to say, but like seriously, like so much tragedy happens before the halfway point in the film. I'm like, I was yeah, and then Laura Dern just disappears. She's gone for like a solid forty five minute stretch, <laughs> but we'll get there. And I think you watched a you watched a, a prestige movie, was it? Oh yes, um, and Scorsese's latest part of an iconic trilogy. Um, I saw the. 2010 film Little Fockers, which is, of course, the third film in the Meet the Parents Ah, franchise. Meet the Parents, of course, an acclaimed 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. The second one dropped down to like 39 or something. Little Fockers. Coming in down there, you want to take a step? I'm going to say 12. What's the RT? Nope. Lower. Lower? That's rough. It's, you, I've seen it. You think it? it's a double digits movie? Uh, is it seven? It is nine. Dang. Nine percent. I think it deserves double digits. I mean, 91% of Google users thought my movie was fantastic, but then it, the, every other reviewing platform is between 20 and 60%, so come on, Google. 
Get it together. <laughs> um, I have a black eye, Max. Do you want to talk about it, or do you just want to... It's up to you. you. You can tell him. It's up to you. You can tell him. Uh, I got into a fight this week. I was at work, and I, a bunch of things fell off a shelf, and I got real mad. And then uh, I got into a fight with a... Uh, a dishwasher tray that fell off of a nail hanging loosely on the wall and nailed me right in the eye. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Um, it was one of those fun moments where you put your hand over your eye and you think, if I take my hand away, what if I can't see? <laughs> How did your employer deal with this situation? Uh, nothing. <laughs> I kept work. It was the end of the night, so we just finished cleaning. Um, it, the thing is still hanging by that flimsy nail, so I'm sure it will nail me in the other eye within the year. Yeah, you should document this. Probably. I mean, we are documenting Yeah, it. this is a documentation. <laughs> Excuse me. Unfortunately, it was out of the view of the camera, so there's not any <laughs> funny footage of me getting whacked by a large piece that of is, blue plastic. That is a shame. I know. Imagine. Imagine all the people, Max. Okay. All of them? Got them. Got them? <laughs> Good. Just keep that in the back of your mind. I want you to see every face and I want you to rock them all. Every single one. <laughs> I want you to I want you to see one person not having a face-melting experience and I want you to make them have it. I want you to get off from that. I will. I feel like I'm a rock star therapist right now. This is great. That I would be that. a really good TLC show. Rock star rock therapist. therapist. <laughs> Tell us more. Gene Simmons would be on it because he's a whore for attention, obviously. Oh, it's all rock stars. Yeah, going with to going to a tell. I'm sure if it was like Gene Simmons as a therapist. Oh, sure. I mean, that would be great. Judge Gene Simmons is a thing that I wholly believe will happen one day. Um, but yeah, just a bunch of rock stars. I'm sure like half of Motley Crue would do it. Mick Mars wouldn't, but the others would. Um, you know, rock stars, they'll do it. They'll do anything. Hulk Hogan would probably be on it for some reason. Yeah. On the crossover episode. I don't know. Is he still doing shit after after his Gawker bucks? I mean, you know. I'm, I think he enjoys it at this point. Like, he's been a public persona for 40, 50 years. Yeah, least. it might be time to, you know, uh, you know I'm take sure, a breather. I'm sure he does a, he does a, you know, a signing at a convention every now and again. Yeah. With a, you know, his credits are like Santa with Muscles, Rocky 3, Wrestling. The wrestling uh, others. band. See in any other movies that are good or notable? Good? <laughs> okay, let, let me pray. Was he in any other notable movies that... Not that Santa with about, Muscles. Was it Mr. Mom or Mr. Nanny? Mr. Nanny. What? <laughs> Which one of those it's, isn't he in? Miss, he is not a Mr. Mom. That but is he is uh, Michael Keaton. Mr. Keith. Nanny, which Mr. we have discussed. We have? Yes. We've done Man, a lot I've, of episodes now. We have. We're almost at 50, which is crazy. We're going to have to do something special. We will, yeah. Make a cake shaped like Laura Dern and have her pop out of it. Mm, she's, she's so tall. She is. <laughs> it's going to be an expensive cake. I mean, cake. if we pay her fee, her speaking fee, she has to do it. <laughs> we should start it. We should start a Patreon. Or like a, um, what's the... Kickstarter? No, yeah, like a Kickstarter thing. And it should be to raise her fee so she has to come and talk to us. That'd be ethical, right? Just like the idea of a televised therapy session. She'd have to do it. Yeah, she'd have to. I mean, she can't say no. 
That is accurate. Do, wait a minute. That do you think she's on cameo? No. Oh, she's not. <laughs> Who could we get though? Who could we get for cheap? I'm gonna I'm gonna look into this later for next week. Please. <laughs> cameo guest. Underline. Underline. Oh, so do you want to hear some Dern news? Yes, please. Well, she was on the Golden Globes for seven minutes. She presented. That was fun. She wore a nice suit. It's like a suit pantsuit. She had a wonderful pantsuit. She's very long, so I feel like that is an ideal piece of dress clothing for her. Mm-hmm. And she's not your normal girl next door. She can be. She can be fancy. Um, you say that like people haven't realized that about Dern. Hey, man. Hell yeah, she can be fancy. She can be whatever she wants. Little. Fuck yeah. She can be boozy or ratchet. She Bo- can be. Bougie, Bo- sorry. <laughs> I think I said boozy. That was a Freudian slip. I was trying to think of a Nick's joke got none of the with alcohol. Like a Freudian slip shot. Anyway, um, um, fun, fun little, ah, little thing. Yes, distract me. Uh, a friend of mine once referred to um, the concept of nasal drip from cocaine usage, or or um, a, uh, a Freudian slip, or having like a little coke on your nose or something like. That. Uh, I thought you were gonna say a Freudian drip. No, just a Freudian slip. But a, a Freudian drip is good too. That man, that man did do a lot of cocaine. He did. Good for him. <laughs> he deserved it. Um, oh, and her son was on a magazine cover because he's a model, apparently. Oh, really? Because his parents are incredibly beautiful and famous. How old is... I don't... He's How like old is the boy? Late teens. I didn't really look into him. His name is Ellery. Because his parents are beautiful and famous. Ellery. I don't know her daughter's name, but I'm sure it's also Ellery. (laughs) Ellery. Ellery. You know, like celery without the C. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very very attractive boy's name. I'll be naming my own children Ellery. Thank you very much. Uh, Duren's rare missteps. (laughs) She hasn't made many. This and the football movie <laughs> and not being in Jurassic Park 2. That's it. Yeah. It's really only slips. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all the dirt news there is, you know. It's not much going on. Pandemic. I don't know when our next movie's coming out. I'm sure it's not for a while. Honestly, I don't Taking think it slow. I don't think there's anything slated until Jurassic World. I think there was she was doing something with uh, Will Ferrell, but I think that kind of got the breaks. Too tall. She's the too combo. No, I don't, he's very end. tall yeah, though, isn't he? You know, <laughs> imagine how much height is between them. Alrighty, actress, ninety credits. We're almost there. Um, yeah. Next thing, twenty twenty two. Ellie Slater in Jurassic World Domination. Wait, if she has ninety credits and we do almost two credits an episode, yeah. And we have 40 some odd episodes. Well, How do we have another year? Because um, her credits, it, if you count, it's the series that are going to get us. Oh, well, we don't, we can... Because like F is for Family is like 26 episodes. Yeah, but we're not going to do one episode a week of episodes. No, but I figured family. we could do like two a week. And then I figured for like Twin Peaks, we'll no, have to do... I can't handle it. I can't do a deep, deep... So you don't want to go deep, Maybe. deep? Maybe. On... They're all great. I mean, they we could go great. deep, deep on, like, Enlightened or Little Big Lies or Twin love... Peaks. F is for family we can scroll over, because it's kind of, you know... I think we can go deep on it. 
Do you want to? Do you really want to we'll get see. into the deep, deep That's, world of Bill Burr? a lot of shows. We'll talk about it. <laughs> Let's go. We deep. could probably get Bill Burr on. He'll do anything. <laughs> That'd be fun. Yeah, hit him up. <laughs> Good, yeah. I'll just, you know, I have him on speed dial. You like m- male clam KKK swords to celebrities. That was different. That was once. <laughs> I was going through a phase. Everything's fine. You got a hand-drawn comic by that guy. I did, yeah. That You know, it happened. You kissed Dalton Brown. I did, you know. <laughs> Just because I'm fame bait doesn't mean I can abuse it. <laughs> it's like in The Exorcist when she like opens the drawer with her mind and then the priest is like, do it again. And she's like, that would be an obscene use of power. That would be an obscene use of power, Max. I'm not going to just make Bill Burby on this podcast. Same thing with Laura Dern. I need to save it <laughs> for when we're half right. for when we're halfway through the F is for Family series. Just store that potential fame bait energy. That's, That's all true. I ask. We're gonna the last episode of Dern after reading is gonna be like the last episode of Late Night with David Letterman. We're just gonna have like a thousand Everybody. celebrities. Everybody's coming on. Betty White will be here. It's gonna be great. So yeah. I'm over Betty White. Eh, well, <laughs> she'll probably outlive you, Max. <laughs> she probably won't. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> it's fun knowing for sure that there's celebrities I'll outlive, like Betty White, Mel Brooks, The Queen. I mean, for sure. Nah. Maybe not Mel Brooks, actually. Ain't nothing's sure, Nick. I would love so I much. I end this right now. <laughs> I a duffel bag full of cross sticks in that room. <laughs> what? Don't ask. Why, lacro- why would that Don't be? Don't worry about my life. Are you? I, I can, whether I can you kill are you with the lacrosse, uh, whether, I, I, I thought you meant yourself, and I was like, "That's not a very effective self harm tool." Oh no, I'm gonna kill you. Oh okay, it would take a while. Self harm? Hell no, <laughs> baby. I got Narcan. I th- I think Nick just gave me Narcan. Yeah, because I'm worried about you, Max. Aww. Look, you weigh eighty pounds. You're a scrawny <laughs> little man. I know what's going on behind the scenes. <laughs> You, no way you're eating that many powdered donuts. You're covered in white powder right now, Max. You're a mess. That's my dandruff. I was going to say that's dandruff. <laughs> no, we're both perfectly fine. Speaking of perfectly fine, anything else you want to talk about before we start this fun fest? No, I'm kind of just ready to go. Um, I'm glad you're primed. Well, what's your big turn, Max? Uh, as stated above, <laughs> big stretch. Big, big stretch. It is little fuckers. Little fuckers. Alright, so we get a little, a little piano lead number. This ain't Randy Newman who did the score for the first two, but we get a little. He wouldn't come back for number three? Little fun, fast paced. Didn't have Randy Newman, didn't have the same director. Um, and the first two lines of the movie are about lactate. And we get just this quick kind of exposition. They are now busy parents. It's Ben Stiller and his wife, uh, it's Greg Fokker and Pam. I'm going to kind of assume people at least know. Oh, yes. Parents. I mean, I don't know about everyone listening, but I watched all three of the movies last night to prepare for this. You did? No, I did not. Are oh. you insane? 
I thought about it for this. I was like, I'm not committing to that. I put a movie in the VCR and I fell asleep to it because I was very tired. Aw. Classic Nick Knight. It was, it was good. And my, my VCR, automat- when it gets to the end of the tape, it automatically rewinds and spits it out. So when I wake up, I can just take it out, put it in the sleeve, go on with really? my day. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's a great feature. I had the Blockbuster Dream VHS. Wow. It's great. I love it. Where'd you get it? Uh, the one I currently use in my bedroom, I think, was actually gotten for me by a friend at the AIDS thrift for like $5. Yeah, I like the one I had when I first moved to Philly broke and I was just like, hey, here's $10. Get me a VHS because they were going and they just came back with this like little gray one. It's perfect. It's great. Amazing. I realized after I asked, I was like, oh, wait, the answer is AIDS Thrift. Oh, but for it sure. was a lovely I mean, story. I only ha- I only have two right now. I've, I've been only two VHS I know. players. No, well, no, only two. Yeah. VCR is excuse. Yes. Me. Thank you. I used to have one at home and then I forgot, brought it to Philly and then I gave it to our mutual friend. Corky. <sighs> excuse me? Corky? Yeah, you know, Corky, the third <laughs> in our gang of <laughs> Irish misfits. No, not Corky. Um, The musical Kurt. boy. The one with Old glasses. Gurt, right? I hate you so much. He has a name. It's, uh... His John. Matt. John, John, yeah. I give it to John. <laughs> yeah, I'm down to two, so if you have a VCR and you want to get rid of it, I am your man. <laughs> so, uh, lactate. What huh? a... <laughs> All right, so lactate. I got nipples, Max. You gonna milk me? <laughs> we'll get there. Um, they're rushed parents now. They're kids who... At the end of the second one, the... In the second one, the son, they have one kid who's an infant. Mm-hmm. Now we're like six years later. and Oh, they had twins. That's right. Um, twin, like, seven-year-olds at this point. And they Ben Stiller's rushing out. He's frazzled. The daughter's kind of moody towards him. Um, they've got another house. They bought a house that, like, construction is being done on. He's going to go check it out. And he comes into he goes into his office. He's now like a head nurse. He's like a, a nurse in a suit. Mm-hmm. He runs a department as like top nurse. He's got an office. Top nurse. It's my favorite game show. <laughs> That'd be fun. Top nurse. Yeah, but like lives are right. It's not like Ink Master. Like if you mess up a tattoo, it's just like... You make a shitty you, cake, if, it's whatever. Yeah, if you mess up on top nurse... You're getting taken to court. <laughs> yeah, that's why it'd be great. Actually, yeah, that does sound kind of cool. It's amazing. It's just what we need. It's, we can really turn this society around. It's those fun little sprinkles in our dystopian modern capitalist world. Um, anyhow, he's he's in a suit. Mm-hmm. And his secretary's like, Oh, there's a drug rep in your office. And he's like, oh no. Oh god, like, why'd you let him in? Come knock on the door in a few minutes. He opens the door and it is stunningly attractive, tight blue dress, Jessica Alba. I I don't know why I thought you were gonna say stunningly attractive, tight blue dress. Laura Dern! No, 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 no. Um Ah, why am I blanking on this? Um, Robert De Niro. Yes, Robert De Niro. Oh no. Tight blue no. dress. He's from the CIA, so he knows. Camouflage. We'll get there. Oh, ooh, oh, yes, we will. Um, I forgot they used that as a plot point again. They, uh... So, she's there, and, like, 
is the drug rep and is instantly very flirty. And already I'm, like, terrified of, like, is this just, like, a useless hot woman, like, absurd attraction kind of thing that's just gonna drive all these hijinks. Um, that seems shitty and so well-worn and well-worn long before 2010. Um, and gross. So that's... This, this is the star we... Oh, and, and then the clues we get towards this. She's... Her product that she's a drug rep for is erectile dysfunction, <gasps> and she's showing him the brochure and, like, leaning on him and saying sexually suggestive things. 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. But let's rewind. Let's, let's walk through that again. So it's not Randy Newman... But it's this punchier piano jingle. And it's kind of... And it's got some kick. And you're like, it's got some life. And you want to see where it's going. And it is this cliche kind of hurried parents scene opening a movie. But we do get this like good exposition in a natural way. It's very tight and punchy and they pack a lot. And then, and the scene with Jessica Alba... It's, they've got real chemistry. It's good. And she's so fucking good. Like, they've got real chemistry. 90% of that chemistry might be Jessica Alba. Hmm. But it's fun and good. And, like, and she, she isn't just, she's, like, overly sexual in so many ways. Um, but she feels genuine. She's, she's interested. She's not, like, just a shilly drug rep. And she's not just, like hot woman who's only hot woman she's interested she's smart she's like read his stuff she wanted to be a nurse she does seem to have some like attraction rapport it's there and so as we go through this maybe maybe this is not in fact a nine percent movie on rotten tomatoes maybe maybe it does deserve double digit i don't like this weird like spook fox molder thing you're trying to pull here where you're like maybe it's an alien (laughs) this max this is this is canonically the third time i have talked about a movie from this franchise on a podcast and let me tell you ben stiller's a bad man continue He does not communicate, and that is every that causes every foible. And there's this one wonderful moment when Jessica Alba shows opens the brochure, pop up brochure. <laughs> it's like a close up of a penis and like a medical textbooky image. Yeah, it's just like this droopy penis, <laughs> and it's just a close up. And her finger circles it, and she goes, "See that penis?" And it's just this very viscerally. <laughs> funny line tucked in like this movie it's not a laugh riot but some of the laughs oh that's great i feel like it's the the idea of somebody who deals with something to like that to anyone would be funny but to them it's just like something they they do every day i think that's very like the idea of just saying like that's see that penis like that's every day for me (laughs) i do this 14 times a day sir um so they get called in, he gets called into an urgent situation, and it is Nurse Kevin Hart and a very large patient on a bed, and Kevin Hart is trying to put a tube in his rear end, but he can't do it. 
And the man says, he says, it's a natural response to protect that cavity. He's like, he won't stop clenching. Um, and it's dumb, but it's kind of fun. And Jessica Alba and Ben Stiller end up like coaxing like sort of baby light whispers into this like man's ear who's like very comical in his own way as they're putting a tube up his ass. It's weird. Um, it's stupid, but it is kind of fun. And he talks about how great she was, and she, like, and they have this moment, she's, like, thrilled to, like, getting to do a nurse thing. And so is he, because now he's the guy in the suit. So they both, like, enjoy it and are good at it, and she, like, tells the man to reposition. They gently ease this tube up his ass. Um... (laughs) I was worried this would be, I was like, oh shit, this is a Kevin Hart vehicle. No, it's 2010, so he's only in it for like two scenes, which is, I think, the right amount of time. At least in this film, because, you know, you get your De Niro, you get your madcap stuff. You don't necessarily need more. Yeah, you don't need the shortest man in America in your movie any more than he has to be. <laughs> Why? Why you gotta make it a height thing, man? Max, you are you are four highest. feet taller than Kevin Hart. <laughs> <laughs> you should not be complaining. That man sells out football stadiums, and he is the height of my backpack. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so then, all right. Next scene starts with we've got like this like intense kind of ceremonial ritual, like military music going on, and it's a close up of a family crest. And then we get a photo of De Niro, like, in, in some, like, Middle Eastern garb, like, out in the desert in some very far away place with another man. And he has this deadly stare. It's like old man De Niro, but it's like CIA just, like, at his most dialed in, like, in whatever crazy life or death situation. And it's like old man De Niro. It's great. (laughs) And then then we get the next picture. It's him and W. And, but now he's got, again, old man De Niro. They're, like, standing at a podium together. And he's got, like, a military, like, Buzz, like, harsh. Like, he looks like a hayseed, wild, like, big, scary military guy from, like, the woods. Um, and again, just dialed in wild, wily stare out into out off to the side. Beautiful touches. And then we get more, we get old Civil War photos of old greats we get genealogy books and then we get this family tree on a wall with photos and it pans up and it's this big serious thing in this shrine it pans up and right at the very top is none other than jack burns himself (laughs) mr bobby de niro everyone's favorite overly zealous cia agent turned father-in-law and <laughs> a wonderful touch on this family tree is that he is at the very top, then immediately below him is his <laughs> wife, and then below them their children. 
hey man, he is he's the top. He is the, the alpha. Go over the alpha. And he looks at Dr. Robert, whoever, who is the husband of his sister. So like in the first of of his daughter, mm-hmm. the other son-in-law. Yeah. Ben Stiller's wife's sister's husband. And he says, Dr. Bob, scumbag. And he takes the photo down. Then we learn, then he goes up and talks with Blythe Danner, his wife, Gwyneth Paltrow's mom, ageless beauty. And she, we learn that they have gotten divorced. They have officially separated. He has cheated on her. Oh, and De Niro's like, I can't believe I didn't see it coming. Right under my nose. Uh, a man che- cheating on my daughter with a nurse. Like, um, having an affair with a nurse. I can't believe I didn't see the warning signs. So he's like beating himself up because he's Mr. CIA. And it's like obvious hijinks foreshadowing. We've got Ben Stiller, he's a nurse, Jessica Alba. Um, we get Stiller on the phone with his parents, who of course were our Barbara Streisand <laughs> as Roz Fokker, a sex therapist, um, a very public, public facing sex therapist. And he calls her, she's got musical condoms, and she's talking about how she's spilling too much about his personal sex life and (laughs) masturbation habits on her sex talk show, which we learned she has. Did she have it in the second one? I don't remember. Maybe she did. I don't think so. Um, But you never know. And then, yeah, so then we get she, we patch in Dustin Hoffman, his dad, Bernie Fokker, who's like a light, fun, old man, just like laid back, joie de vivre. And he is in, in Sevilla, Spain, um, learning the flamenco. He was struck <laughs> by this deep passion in life. And he has gone to Spain. He's mid-flamenco lesson. He's covered in sweat. Um, and it's lovely. Roz, Barbara Streisand calls it menopause. <laughs> this sort of late life crisis. Um, and so he says, he's like, oh, you're not going to be here for Henry's birthday party. There's the setup for Henry's birthday party that's going to be at the new house. But construction's being done. That construction's being done by Harvey Keitel as, like, almost the the scumbag foil to De Niro as just, like, a scuzzy old man it with tattoos. It is weird how they make him such, like, a hillbilly scuzzy dude, considering he's usually just, like, comparable to De Niro in, like, mobster yeah. finery. But he also can do can do dirtbag, I'd say. That's true. Even better than De Niro. And De Niro does it sometimes, too. <laughs> Um, remember De Niro's Unabomber movie that's, Taxi Driver? That's not real No I meant like if, if he just played the Unabomber I mean it's Yeah he did it's called Taxi Driver no, I want him to do it now as an old man That would be fun I want them to young it up I'm gonna, Yeah. I mean they could do <laughs> that Unabomber now the, uh, The Irishman they younged him up 
I don't know though. The Unabomber is such a, a particular person. True. It'd be TBD if De Niro could could channel that. They could just he let might him. just be like they. They should just let the Unabomber play himself. He's not busy. I'd be all for that. <laughs> Give him work release. TK. Oh yeah, he's still around. He is right. He's yeah. locked up yeah. somewhere. He treats himself well. Fascinating tale. Not like Charlie. Charlie just ate Twinkies and he died. That's it. <laughs> yeah, he just jumped. And what else could you hope for in life? Yeah, man. I One's wanna, inevitable. I Might as well get some Twinkies. Three quarters of my life in jail. And uh, eat a bunch of junk food. Chill out. <laughs> he loves get some fan mail. <laughs> get some wives. Yeah, get a few wives. Divorce them after they want to <laughs> display my body in a freak show. You know. <laughs> a while out every couple years. Yeah, you know. Do some cool interviews. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he has fun with it. Well, yeah, you know. He did his best. <sighs> um, Why do we always end up on Charles Manson? That's who we are as yeah. people. So now De Niro is exacto knifing Dr. Bob out of photos. <laughs> and he has a heart attack. And he calls 911 in like the most jack way ever. It's like very straight to the point factual. <laughs> he is not panicking over this situation. <laughs> Um, and then he, like, MacGyver defibrillates himself with some loose wires. And I'm sure you're not supposed to do that. Yes, for don't don't try this at home. Listeners, but. if you have a heart attack, don't do this. No, no try it. No, it might work. What the heck? <laughs> I'm not a doctor. <laughs> we, we legally have to say that now. We are not doctors. The exact opposite, actually. Um, we are patients. <laughs> So, uh, Owen Wilson now Skypes oh, in thank God. to speak with Pam, Greg's wife, and because they're friends and old lovers, as we've learned over the film, and he wants to talk to Greg. He Skypes in, he doesn't zoom in, because this is 2010. I want to be clear about that. And he is, like, in, like, a very burn notice kind of hat at a beach, and living his best life, there's Deepak Chopra, like, pops in frame to say what up. Man, um, I wonder what his fee for this movie was. We get monks. Yeah, God. He's like an ag. He's a holy man, basically. And he was in Meet the Fockers. Or Little Fockers, apologies. <laughs> yeah, don't you confuse the two. How dare you. I mean, they got the Dalai Lama for Meet the Fockers, but Little Fockers, they, he wouldn't come back. Phoning it in with Deepak. Um... We get, like, over-the-top life of luxury for Mr. Owen Wilson. They're, like, Buddhist monks with smoothies who are going to ride jet skis. Um, it's kind of fun, and, like, they don't do a bad job of it, but it is, it's a bit trite to be like, oh, just, it reminds me, it's one of, it's the worst thing I'd say about The Good Place, and otherwise, pretty good show. I don't know about very good. I think, I don't know if it's going to stand the test of time, but it's solid. Um, are you familiar with the show? I am. I have not watched it, but I know, like, the idea of it. Oh, okay. Well, there's one character, Jamila, and kind of her, her entire shtick is, like, just, it's like a family guy at its worst, just aggregation of jokes that she was, like, hanging out with Kanye and... Doing this crazy thing, like Mad Libs style. So just like, you're just describing me. Yeah. Like kissing Alton Brown kissing or bumping Alton into Brown. James Franco outside exactly. of the Glass Menagerie. Exactly. 
<laughs> Precisely. Uh, if that all happened on like a yacht, it did. Good. It was a yacht play. <laughs> Love Sally Field loves yachts. It's the only way she'll perform anymore. <laughs> she has a uh, land phobia. <laughs> <laughs> Won't go near the stuff. You know how many people die on land? <laughs> Almost all. <laughs> exactly. True. Shit. Oh my god. <laughs> we need to get out of here, Max. Um. So Owen Wilson wants to propose to Svetlana, this gorgeous woman who's all over him. Like, just interrupts him. It's part of his life is wonderful thing. And Greg's like, that sounds over the top. Maybe just like you know, speak from the heart. Like, keep it simple. Like, You're right. Um. Then De Niro calls the house and Fokker picks up and the whole family's there they're having dinner and he's like listen to me Greg I need you to uh, go say you are say exactly this huh I haven't seen it in a while Jack but I'll give it a look and he's like what he's like and then if Pam asks you say oh I'm looking for my birth certificate for your dad's genealogy thing. It's like very CIA, like on a mission. It's it's fun. It's nice. Yeah. Um, Greg does that. Now he's in, in another room. He's like, what, what's going on, Jack? He's like, Greg, this is on a need-to-know basis. I've had a heart attack. And I realized he's doing this genealogy project. He's like, I realized that. After me, you're the patriarch. Now that Dr. Bob's out, like, you're the guy. And he calls him, he's like, the the godfucker. So glad you remembered that, because I was, I've been sitting on that for the last, like, ten minutes. Oh, the quick, I mean, I watched it. It's the best. <laughs> it's night. the best thing. And he says, you know, it's an attitude, Greg. It's confidence. And, like, when he says godfucker, isn't there, like, a little bit of, like, quick guitar music, like, from the godfather? Yeah. Oh, fuck yes, yeah. Is. That is good. I'm sorry, I just, I'm so stuck on that. Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, so, he he elaborates a bit more that, like, he's sort of, he's like, I'm, I need you to, like, you know, the Godfucker is someone who, like, has a stable home, has, you know, has a good family, has a good job, like, a good provider, good leader, confidence. He's the guy, right? It's, it's you know, it's who De Niro is. And so Greg's like pretty emboldened by this. He's like feeling, he's feeling pretty good. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> the best line, Sneer says, he says, Greg, after he like, Greg agrees to it. It's, a, you know, it's almost like this rite of passage. Junior says, I feel like a great weight has been lifted off of my shoulders. And placed down on the great weight has been placed down on your placed down on yours. <laughs> um, so Greg's like, he's feeling confident. He like does a confident thing to get the kid to eat lasagna because the kid's like, I I feel sick. I'm I'm not eating. Um, and the kid pukes in his face, which is a little gross and dumb. And like, okay, it's not. Hey, this movie does have some dumb shit. Wait till that kid sees his grandpa's dick. <laughs> oh, sorry to sorry to spoilers. spoil that one, but spoilers. Uh. Um, so 
family, uh, De Niro and Blythe show up for <laughs> for a nice dinner. It's it's almost like a Thanksgiving kind of facsimile. Greg has prepared a turkey. He's wearing a lovely sweater. It's like he wants to present himself as this good leader of head of household, caring provider. And <laughs> the kid, Henry, says to Daniel, he says, Grandpa, can I ask you a question? He's like, you absolutely may. He says, why are you afraid of lizards? And we look down, he's got his little lizard, like, in his lap. Henry, that's a very good question. When I was stationed in the Mekong Delta in the Vietnam War, a tiny gecko crawled into my ear one night and laid its eggs, and I had to endure the torturous probing of the medic to remove the lizard larvae from my ear canal before they hatched into my brain. (laughs) And it's good. It's very deadpan. Like, De Niro does a really good job. It's very funny. And the kid's like, Ah, a little traumatized. Here he just covers up the lizard, and then Greg's cutting the turkey. He's not very good at it. He's sort of hacking at it all bad. He doesn't really know how to do it, and the lizard scurries out. De Niro freaks out. Stiller slices his finger. Blood a zigz a zorro of blood on De Niro. Which is also pretty funny. It's like a great little sight gag because he's like un- unfazed by it, like still calm because he always is. It's just like across his face and his shirt. It's this thick, absurd oh. trail of blood. Um, then Owen Wilson shows up. He went for like a shitty proposal and Svetlana broke up with him. Greg gets blamed for giving bad advice. Um, the kid, the son, doesn't want to talk to Greg. Loves Kevin. Owen Wilson's just emasculating Greg left and right. He's very just like perfect. The family loves him, and he's like, "Oh, is he the competitor to for the the Godfucker?" And it's set it right. It's setting up these kind of hijinks. It's already absurd over the top. We got the vomit. We got the blood. And now Greg needs to go with Jack to the early human school presentation. Oh, which is a very prestigious, expensive nursery. Not nursery. Whatever six-year-olds. Uh, kindergarten. Preschool. Preschool preschool um and we get some hints that maybe greg can't afford this I mean, he does have the suit job but he's not rolling in it um and but he wants to impress this is big this is prestigious and he so the two of them go and it starts with they're in a, like an auditorium and a Silicon Valley-esque, TED Talk-esque adjacent um, Laura Dern, like, performance about how good this school is. And it's great. It is... I wish... I'm so bummed you haven't yet seen Big Little Lies, so I can't use Renata Klein as a comparison point for so many other Derns, because it's some of that... It's some a marriage story. 
But it's also like she's good and like down to earth, but also over the top, like ungodly rich talking about like 98% of these children go on to like the most prestigious ranks like in in later life. It's absurd. Um they she's got movement she's got a great outfit this dress and like sneakers it's a very like silicon valley ceo kind of move um then she talks with them afterwards she thinks they're gay oh yeah which you talked about when you had to watch the deleted scenes for this movie Uh, a year ago my god really makes you think and uh it's a funny little it's a funny little bit, and she says, like, they realize the misunderstanding, and <laughs> Stiller, like, very awkwardly says, uh, we, oh, you know, we're not gay, but oh, if if you're looking to fill a quota, we can be flexible. <laughs> and she, like, is aghast and perplexed, and just like, uh... just like, alright. Like, she's like, alright, man. Like, hey, Ben Stiller what? is famously gay for pay. <laughs> She says, she, but she goes, that's an interesting joke, but I appreciate levity and a moment of misunderstanding. So thank you, Greg. It reminds me of like, of Jared from Silicon Valley, um, in sort of its delivery, which is the best part about the show Silicon Valley. If you haven't <laughs> seen it, Zach Woods, by a mile. Once, once Peter Gregory died, RIP to that actor. I do not know his name. Anyhow, I digress. Ah, yes. And, uh, so Dern's fun. She's not in it much. We get a, a little Dern later, but it's a fun Dern character. Nice. nice to have. Um, and it, and it's, she has some power over, right? It's her decision if they're going to get into this school. By the way, Owen Wilson, she is a dear friend and an ex-lover. We get all these repeat, repeated sort of lines about how he stays close with all his ex-lovers and thinks of them fondly, which is right, pointed point in the direction of Greg's wife, Pam, and De Niro's daughter. I would believe that Owen Wilson has slept with Laura Dern. Mm, I don't know. I, I don't know. You know, if we pay Laura Dern's fee and you all help us raise that money, we can find when, out things When was like the this. last time that she slept with a, a white man that we know of? This feels I feel like this I, feels like a question out of context <laughs> could be very divisive and evil. Yeah. Oh, if I get canceled for this, I don't care. I stand by my question. Uh because I don't know for sure. Uh we'd have to dig through the, the notes on on Dern's sexual history, I think. Yes, you know if you get IMDb But like Jeff Goldblum was way back in the If day. you get IMDb Premium, you have access to those notes. And she's been with Ben Harper for a while. Are they still together? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, You're right, I guess. Yeah. Right? Is this Ellery their kid? I don't know. I thought Ellery was also Jeff Goldblum's kid. Oh, maybe. That was earlier. Because I think both of her kids are white. Oh, they are. Like white, white, not like mixed. Oh, gotcha. Um, It (laughs) is Laura... Dern single question mark. She's not. Um, they were married. No, 
She is. What? Uh, they yeah, Ben Harper and her have been divorced since 2013. I think we talked about breaking this news, folks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> almost a decade ago. Turn red alert. Oh my god. Um. Yeah. No, it doesn't seem like it. Man, hmm. someone should tell the guys at yeah. the Dern cast. She's only been married to Ben Harper for a few years, 2005 to 2013. Oh. Didn't even make it a decade. I thought they had children. I don't mm. think so. We don't need to so. get into it. I'm already spending too um, long on this. She only has two children, and I'm pretty sure they were both with a Mr. Goldblum. Personal life, I... Hmm? Hmm. Stand by, folks. Hmm. Nah, it's... You know, they're gold blooms. Um, gold bloom uh, finds a way, <laughs> as he would say. Would he say that? I don't know. Maybe. Uh-huh. Um, Jack and Greg go to the ha- the new house where they're getting construction. Jack's like, you know, nice house. Uh, and Fokker, one thing leads to another. Fokker accidental. Oh, first they're. Harvey Keitel and his scumbag gold man crew are behind. Um, Jack says they're sandbagging him and dragging their feet intentionally, being lazy. Um, one thing leads to another. Greg accidentally dumps. He's backing a dump truck out of the driveway, accidentally dumps a truck full of dirt onto Robert De Niro. He's like buried under this dirt. It's like panicked, trying to dig him out. And Owen Wilson comes and, like, <laughs> seeks out with his, like, aura <laughs> Jack's head under the sand and, like, and saves him. So he's the one looking good in this moment. Um, while Fokker, not so much. Um, we end now, later, Jack and Dina are watching the Roz Fokker show. And Roz is talking about how it's okay to have an affair, right? If things aren't going well, if you have a dead bedroom, she says, it's okay to have an affair with your wife or with your husband that you can, um, right, spice up a relationship. And we see Blythe Danner, she's very into this. And Jack, not so much. Not so, he's, he's very, right, he's just uncomfortable. He has a routine. Yes. Um... Then Ben Stiller's call, calls his wife. He's gonna now do like a speech for this product. He needs the money. He's the the money. Jessica Alba, good opportunity. She like she calls him again. Like hey, like really would love if you did it. There is rapport. There is chemistry. He is like she she is ungodly stunning. Um, and it makes financial sense. So he's like, I'm going to do it. But his wife, she's in bed sick and she's nervous. She's like, this like bubbly drug rep, like she's, you're going to be at a hotel with her at, at night. Like she's a little like, I don't know, Greg, it makes me a little uncomfortable. And he sort of brushes it off. Like it's not a big deal. He says like, oh, you couldn't pick her out of a lineup. She asks if she's like good looking. Um... And, right, so that's setting up this tension. And meanwhile, Daisy, the daughter, is hiding under the bed. So she hears this conversation about boner pills and another 
daddy with another woman at a hotel. <laughs> um, and then, then we learn later she's she's one of uh, De Niro's little birds. <laughs> she's like reporting back to him, and he's like, "What did I tell you about spying?" It's it's never wrong if you suspect foul play. <laughs> so he's like gathering intel from the daughter, which is funny. Oh my god! Uh, so he hears this. He his spidey senses are tingling. He knows something's up with that fucker. Um, we get all these these little evidences evidence that potentially all three of the the marriages are have their own rockiness, have their own lack of intimacy. Um, ben Stiller and his wife, maybe like De Niro's like asking Fokker about it, and he's like, "No, it's fine." He's like, "You know, are, are you still attracted to my wife?" And he's like, "Yeah, like of, of course, yeah, like Jack, yeah, not a concern." But it's like, um, it's suggested, and then Jessica Alba, and then De Niro and and Blythe watching Roz, and then Roz and Bernie. He's over in Spain. That suggested, like, maybe they have their own intimacy tr- struggles at the moment. And so we get, uh, so Ben Stiller goes off to go to the hotel and he's waiting. He's like walking around the corner and he turns and he sees, he sees De Niro in like just like low hat over his eyes and like trench coat, oh. like incognito spy mode. He's like, Jack <laughs> like, her turns and hurries away around the corner and he follows him. He's like, Jack, is that you? He's like, oh, oh, hey, great. Like, he's like, oh, I went out for, for some milk. <laughs> and he's like, okay, Jack, well, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's the the market right across from the house there. He's like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. like, no, they, they need the organic stuff. And he's like, all right, Jack, have a good night. And he gets on the light rail. They live in Chicago, which I don't think I realized until they explicitly said it. It's never a big element. Clearly, you didn't follow the rest of the movies. Yes. Um, he gets on the light rail, Ben Stiller does, and he's, like, looking over his shoulder. He he goes, he walks down to, like, the last car, and there's De Niro. And he's like, hey, Jack, like, uh, you know... <laughs> what's going on he's like oh I remembered another place that has, has good milk and at the next stop he's like Jack you're gonna get off here okay and he like tries to protest but it, like he's like All right, basically kicks him out like sternly and just doesn't back back down and it's great it's it's fun to see this just like the impotence of like old man De Niro late in the game like he just doesn't have it. Ben Stiller's not scared of him. He is. He sees what he's the doing. Godfucker. He's the Godfucker. Um. So Ben's Greg Gaylord. You know who I'm talking about. I, I'm with you. You know the one. So he. Wait. So De Niro is Jack. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. So he goes to the hotel. Super flirtatious with Alba, but she's like, she's, he's talking about how he prepared, like, he did so much research on the product for the speech, and she's like, oh no, you don't want to, like, the, I know these, these crowds, like, you don't want research-heavy stuff, you want, uh, 
um, like make it something they can relate to. And she says, do you know any sexually frustrated old dudes with a heart condition? Because that's like the, the benefit. That's why it said this boner pill is available or important. It's because it also is good. It's usable if you have a heart condition, apparently. Um, oh, by the way, I haven't said it's called Sustengo, which is a great fake drug name. Yes. Really, really good stuff there. Oh, my God. And he's like, we, we don't see the speech, but we learned that Right, he killed it, and we know he talked about Jack. And then we've got Jack and, and Blythe, and my god, this is the sexiest scene in any of this franchise's movies. Ooh. By a mile is Blythe Danner turning it up, and role-playing sexy, and going on strong, and oh. My God, I don't, I don't even think you need to have an old lady fetish to find this attractive, but I wouldn't know for sure. Max, we're gonna have to make this week's episode Stunning. explicit now. Stunning, Blythe did it. My God, and Tanjiro's like still like just doesn't react to it. Um, but he's got he he lifted some boner pills from Greg because he saw him stashing a bag. That he thought was sketchy, so he grabbed him. And in this moment, when Blythe's doing this, he had, like, opened up these boner pills. Foreshadowing. <laughs> um, so, uh, let's see, what do we get then? Oh, right, the boner. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> the titular boner. Um, oh, before we, before we get there, we're back in the hotel, and... Rob Hubel is the sleazy doctor and goes up to Jess Galvin. She's like, quick, you're my fiance. Like, need you to cover for me. This guy's a creep kind of thing. And it's, uh, and she takes a picture of, she's like, can you take a picture of this? She really wants him to know that she's super lovey-dovey with her fiance, Ben Stiller. And take, has him take a picture with her camera, and she's kissing him on the cheek. Uh-oh. Oh. Uh-oh. What if Jack found that? Oh, I bet he does. Oh. And uh, <laughs> then, of course, Ben still runs into at this, like, doctor thing at a bar, at a hotel, like, convention-y thing. Um, Dr. Bob is there. <gasps> And he's drunk and sleazy. And he's puffy-faced. He's got this, like, scraggly beard. He's loaded. Which is great, because, like, in the first one, he's, like, the foil of, like, the husband, the good son-in-law. The one who has it together, right? He's just, like, a nice guy to, like, play off Ben Stiller. My, how the tables have turned. Yep, and here's Dr. Bob Scumbag. <laughs> and it's this fun little twist where he reveals to Ben Stiller that, like, De Niro was always doing the same shit with him. He's like, you told me I was the Bob father. <laughs> um, and that's a fun little twist that the whole time he's also doing the same shit with the other one. <sighs> and, uh, so then... Fokker gets home, and De Niro's trying to interrogate him about, you know, this hotel and the boner pills. 
And but he's standing there and he's got a raging boner, so it's not quite as effective. And Flocker's like, how long have you had that? He's like, five and a half hours. That's bad. I'm a nurse. You need to you need to get an adrenaline shot. And he's like, you got to do it, Flocker. Like, you're a nurse. And apparently he has an adrenaline shot. You know, everyone keeps In the slow. nurse bag. Yeah. And uh, so then they're in the bathroom. De Niro says, of course, you need to stick me and you need to stick me now. I'm having a dick attack. <laughs> stick me. <laughs> And it's funny because it's the only panicked line of De Niro's probably in this whole series. <laughs> like, when he has the heart attack, right, he's calm and collected. But now he's really starting to freak out about this this uh, dick attack here. The, the young boy, the son, opens the bathroom door in this moment, sees this, screams, they scream... Kid is traumatized, which of course is what Nick was alluding to before. Yeah, sorry I let the cat out of the bag, but you know. Um, <laughs> it's like, meh, whatever. And then the, but the best line of this this whole shenanigan is, it's kind of dumb with the whole dick stabbing, but is saved by the, the final line of this set piece. And that's, Pam comes out of her room because she heard all the screaming. She's like, what's going on? They're like, Henry's having a nightmare. She's like, but dad, I heard you, thought I heard you scream. He's like, no, 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 it's fine. Blythe comes out of her room because she <laughs> woke her too. And they, so De Niro and still run off. Like, we got, we got it taken care of. And Pam looks at her mom and says, can you two keep it down, please? <laughs> <laughs> tired it's so good because and that's a reveal that they did fuck we we didn't even know because before that we just got like de niro stow we don't know that he took a boner pill until we see the boner later so it's like it's nice knowing that worked out for the two oh of god them. it's like citizen kane this movie what wanted. what's that I said it's like citizen kane this movie so many layers <laughs> it really is um De Niro calls his spy line. He wants in- intel on Jessica Alba, whose name is Andy Garcia, by the way. Which uh, is like oh, the singer? <laughs> actor. Actor? Yeah, yeah okay. which is a little bit of a crutch, but it's fun. Uh, when Stiller first meet her, meets her, he says, he says, Oh, I, you have a lot less stubble in person. <laughs> De Niro's calling his... Um, Secret spy line to get intel on her. He like uses a secret code, and he's like, "Sir, you haven't had clearance for twelve years. Like, I can't provide any information." Um, he's like, "Googler." <laughs> so it's like then we get De Niro, old man De Niro, googling for the first time, which is cute. Owen Wilson. Now it's like even more layers to the absurdity of like how he's the the competitor, and he she reveals. He has a, t- a full face tattoo of of Pam, of Greg's wife. Not a face tattoo, I'm sorry, a back tattoo. Like, the lower half of his back. It's not like a tramp stamp, it's huge. It is really big, I remember that. And, and they're like, well, you got a tattoo of Pam? <laughs> He's like, I was getting a tattoo and I asked for um, a picture of the... The woman who meant the absolute most to me, whatever, except some more 
vaguely Eastern meditative way of saying it. And they're like, Pam? And he was like, no, I was, uh, I meant to give him a picture of my grandmother, but in my hysteria and my stupor, maybe he was on drugs, like ayahuasca or something. And, uh, I must have given them a picture of Pam. And we learned that he has all, many of his ex-lovers' photos in his wallet to this day. And so that's why he has Pam's photo. De Niro more and more is like, I want to do a switch. Like, like Owen Wilson should be the one. Like, we, we just gotta, like, reorient our daughter's interests. Like, Yes, married, but, like, not this one, that one. Like, an easy, matter-of-fact switch. <laughs> That's his plan. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> let's see. We get... Oh, so De Niro finds the photo. He Googles Andy Garcia. Eventually finds her after finding the actor. Sees the photo she posted on her MySpace page, because it's 2010. Ooh. And... Now Greg's in the doghouse, and I think, I don't remember if he shares it, but Greg's sort of in the doghouse at some some level of this absurd hijinks, right? And and by doghouse, you mean entire whole other house, because they currently have two houses. Correct. <laughs> that is accurate. Um, we So he's staying at the other house. And Jessica Alba comes, or she picks him up or something, or takes, she drops him off there. There That's you it. go. And his, and her license plate is RX space GRRRL. <laughs> RX girl. Oh, right, girl. dear God. It's, no, that's great. <laughs> that's funny because it's the perfect for her character. You're right. For this o- over the top, like, it, it's hard to make. When you have a dumb hijinksy movie like this, that is the third in a trilogy, it's very hard to make I characters mean, interesting. I feel, I feel like a license plate joke doesn't always work, but I I agree with this. Yeah, because it's the right one. <laughs> it's there, the only there, correct option. I think it might be. I think any other thing that's trying to convey that like wouldn't be able to do it that well, and it would have been like, oh, that's dumb and hacky. <laughs> but the, it was the perfect license plate for her. Um, so, some shit, some shit, some shit, um, Blythe is giving Jack shit for being Jack, and she says, you know, Greg cares about his family just as much as you do, this is a role she's played, I think, in all three, where at some point she's like, Greg's not the one out of hand, Jack, like, you're the one out of hand, and so now Alba comes back with wine and Chinese food. She seems like she's on a mission here, which is like, gets back at the trope where it's like, it's absurd. It's like every man, like ungodly attractive woman, just like sex me, baby. You know, like it is that and it's meh. Um, But again, her performance is so good. And they like, they give it chemistry that so that Maybe, all right, maybe even if this is, like, far-fetched, it's still not... You can justify it in this madcap, hijinksy world of mm-hmm. ours, perhaps. Um, so she... 
she goes to the bathroom and we see her rifling through she she's popping boner pills and like a flonazy type thing and we see she's got like a, a she's jones and she's got like a fiend's eye and she's like into this like whoa whoa what what, what a weird turn that she's just a complete junkie yeah. <laughs> but it's the but it makes the reason I didn't hate it is because it makes it makes sense. It's like I guess that is the only situation where a woman might be that like this ungodly hot woman just over sexing, kind of showing up in his house like, oh yeah, she's nuts. Like, all right, <laughs> um, and she's just like getting real fucked up. Okay, maybe yeah, maybe she uh, she would do all these things. Yeah, it stitches the story together. She's a wild card. Yeah. She's RX girl. She's <laughs> popping pills with RX girl. Yeah, man. Hey, pills. those samples are for her. <laughs> um, she uh, she like, ba- she just throws herself on him at one point. Starts making out. And he's like, no, 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 no. She like takes her shirt off. She's in in like a sexy, sexy bra. This realistic is probably the, eh, no, because she's all fucked up, so it's not that sexy. But yeah. Jessica Alba, oh my god, this, this number of hers, good lord. But so, so Blythe, Blythe wins in Abs- context. Absolute wolf eyes, just <laughs> wolf eyes, rolled out tongue, you get it. Um, so, where were we? Uh, Jessica Alba is we only throwing have an herself hour, hour and 20 minutes left. Just Galva throwing herself at Ben Stiller. That De Niro spying, he's he thinks he can like suss him out. Um he's spying, he sees her like with her shirt off, like grappling him, and it looks very, very like what it seems, right? Even though it's not not what it seems, it looks like it is. And he runs away and he leaves in disgust. There's this giant pit in the backyard from the construction. Jessica is all fucked up and like, she's like a swimming pool and she wants to jump in and she like pushes him down the pit. They fall down the pit. She's wildly fucked up and they come to you the next morning. She's, he's like lying on top of her. They're covered in dirt. It's like this comically like 20 foot deep pit in a yard. And and Dustin Hoffman shows up, <laughs> and the reason he shows up. Oh, by the way, we I forgot to cover plot point because the construction's taking too long. Because Kaitel's sandbagging them. Oh, they're gonna have the birthday party at Owen Wilson's lavish grounds, <laughs> his palatial estate. And uh, Dustin Hoffman shows up. He's like, Dad, I thought you were in Spain. Like, what are you doing here? And he. He's like, I didn't miss my grandson's birthday. Like, no chance. And But he never got the news that they moved the party, which is a lovely way to connect these in this chaotic storyline. Well done. Well done, writers. (laughs) And he has this fun moment with Jessica Alba where he sees her, and he it's one of the best parts about his his character and Barbara Streisand in this is the, the non-judgment. Like he, he has no concern that his son is in a pit with this woman. Who's not his wife. Who's in her underwear and like covered in dirt. 
And instead he just sees this as another beautiful soul and like they share like a flamenco moment. <laughs> it's great. It's lovely. And so that's fun. Jack then tells Dina, tells his wife, he's like, oh, I couldn't find him. No, we know he did find him. They're at the birthday party. And Dustin Hoffman, da, 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 Barbara Streisand. Oh, so they're at the birthday party and Barbara Streisand gets her best line of the movie. And that's, she's talking to the daughter and says, you know, men, they're taught to be tough and hard. But inside, they're all soft and gooey, kind of like a cannoli. <laughs> and then he's looking at the daughter, and the daughter clearly doesn't know what a cannoli is. She goes, "Canish." <laughs> That's her backup. Like, do you know? Do you know this other New York Jewish? That just feels like the most Barbara Streisand thing ever. Like <laughs> having no idea how to talk to a like a normal American kid. The kid's the not normal one. Exactly. I yeah. love a Kanish. Exactly. I can only forget it's about it. It's such a good line. It's like, it like belongs in that Fran Leibowitz movie. Is that her name? Uh, n- yes. Yes, Fran Leibowitz movie. I do need to see that. Um, so that's great. It's lovely. And this birthday party, damn near Billy Madison-esque over the top and Greg shows up now we know De Niro has all the, all this shit all this suspicion he's seen this it's like that's gonna explode we've got Owen Wilson over the top is he gonna end up with Pam and is right all this shit all this chaos that's been going on and Ben Stiller shows up, and the first thing, he sees Pam, she sees him. They had, like, been, you know, upset at one another, but she talked with her family. They realized, you know, he cares about them. And in this moment, they just run up, and they just kiss each other, and they share. And it's just so nice. And she just says, she says, you know, we've kind of got our own thing, and it it works. Like, like we kind of actually know what we're doing. And it's this moment that makes this movie good. This movie, I will now argue, is oh. in fact, Nicholas, the best movie in this trilogy. Oh, man. Because in this moment, it takes all this so on the nose, over the top, setting up levels, the madness, the hysteria of De Niro, the, um, and just pops it. And these two people, we, we learn, oh yeah, they had their whole life, they like have been raising these kids, they've got this new house, he's got a new job. He literally said like, yeah, like I am attracted to my wife. Like if, it was all like projecting from others and from Jack and the context that even suggested that any of this was an issue and that like they're able to work it out. So like, no, she wasn't going to go fucking marry Owen Wilson. She's like, has her loving husband and they have a good thing. Um, and they just pop it off and it's great. It's so fucking good. That they do that. It, it like subverts what otherwise 
is kind of tired. And I think, right, this movie is not wonderful. This is not categorically one of the best movies. But it's not bad. And I think if we revisit number one, I think there are a lot of rose-colored glasses. I think that movie isn't an 85 on Rotten Tomatoes. It's funny. It has its moments, but like, okay, he's a male nurse, and that's like a huge source of humor, and then his name's Gaylord. Like, wow, right? Comedy <laughs> genius. Um, I Can you milk my nipples? Like, it's funny. It, it It's a, a funny movie. It's an enjoyable movie. It's not an all-time great, I don't think. And even one review noted that uh, the funniest movie since there's something about Mary. And it's like, okay, I'm glad they recognized that there's something about Mary is a funnier movie than Meet the Parents. They're not even in the same fucking league. Not even close. Uh, and like, I think culturally, because we all enjoyed it because it was this huge hit. It made a bajillion dollars. Um, it be, it just, instantly got nostalgia lumped in right afterwards so it was always one always a fun one to put on look at look give it a close look it's not wonderful it's not a game changer um and neither is this movie but this movie does things better and that will be my hottest take in the in the history and indefinite future of this podcast, I mean, honestly, is that you are, this is the best film in this trilogy. I I feel like I'm, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to talk about my movie now. Yeah, I and so now so, you know why I needed to tell this. I feel so pale. This in long comparison. story. And okay, so that's essentially so. Then Owen Wilson kisses Roz, but. Which is Barbara Streisand. Ah, yes. When she's being comforting and sex therapy-esque to him. And Dustin Hoffman doesn't care. Like, they they know it was no thing and that he was just being being a creep or being just read the room very wrong. <laughs> and uh, so they, they end up, Dustin Hoffman and Barbara Streisand, hell yeah, um... Blythe and Bobby, they bone hard and loud, apparently. Good. Um, and Greg and Greg and Pam, they're they're doing good. Uh, one thing I would have, I think, a movie, this movie couldn't have done it, not in 2010, but I think perhaps we're ready for m- a movie's willingness in something like this, in even a light sort of comedy with romantic relationship elements to it. Um I was hoping that like one of them wouldn't work out or one of them would at least come to a different resolution on like fidelity and monogamy than the others. Um, and it could have, right? Cause Roz is so sex positive. Dustin Hoffman so sex positive. Um, but like, it would have been cool if like Dustin Hoffman had a thing with the flamenco instructor and it was cool and they still like who knows yeah right but i think it was a reminder that like monogamy and like life lifelong marriage relationships as like the the good one the right that's like when everything works out in the end is when all three of those just get reaffirmed it's like it doesn't have to be like that necessarily like 
relationships are allowed to be more complex. Yeah, and... I mean, I think Jack should have gone off the handle and become a family annihilator. But that's just, I mean, I'm just, I'm spit, but I don't think society's ready for that. That's true, too. One day. He has the power. Well, good hope. I think, I think we may be ready for that soon, though, in our, in our light, light comedies. I mean, they have to get him soon. Soon enough, he's going to be too old to do stuff like that. <laughs> it's going to be dark days. Um, we get a little epilogue. It's Christmas. They're opening presents. Um, Dustin Hoffman busts out like a just a classic whoopee cushion, and it's great because he's just like joyous at it. Aww. And De Niro, oh De Niro had another heart attack. He fought Greg. Who gives a shit, right? It was sort of an oh yeah. Um, they but uh, he reveals he says as he's like getting pulled away in the ambulance says to Fokker. It was always gonna be you, Greg. <laughs> like Godfathery moment. He says, "You're the Greg Fucker." He calls him. That's the the new earned name. And uh, there's this um, this dumb little closing bit where Bernie and Roz reveal that they're gonna move to Chicago. Yes. And it's like, all right, that's just like such a dumb little movie ender. But it is saved by Pam, like, Ben Stiller, like, re- reacts audibly. He's like, what? Like, no. And it's sort of focused on that. But right next to him is Pam, just frozen, like, catatonic horror <laughs> in her face. And it's a great finish. Oh, I love that. And then, of course, we've got a little epilogue in the credits. And that is Jack now Googles himself. And finds Ben Stiller's speech. And it's like this on stage, like drug repping, like, but like stand up comedy thing. And then, like, to like anchor it to 2010, just to end it, just like a tag in a file to let us all, let the universe know this is where this film belongs, is like, then he clicks the a remix of it that it's like <laughs> YouTube remix like that like early I don't even know if it was auto tune yet but just that like that cut words thing that was just so so 2010 <sighs> but it's God. pretty good it like kind of <laughs> slaps it's funny and it's like Ben Stiller just like ripping on De Niro's character from over the movies uh, um, by the way the worst movie is the second one that movie sucks. I've already exhausted enough. Yeah, Fokker Island is not the best Fokker one. Fokker Island. Yeah, because his parents live on like this weird island. It's like in the Key West or something like that. The Key yeah, West. The key, the key you know, West. the Key West. That one. The The Keys. The The Keys. What do you think? Do, did I... Am I... Am I right here, or am I contrarian? Am I dead um, wrong? I mean, I don't think you're off base. I definitely think the first one should not hold up as much as it does, because it is, like, a lot of just now overdone stuff, and a lot of basically, like, jokes at the expense of men that have non-traditionally masculine professions, and just, like, the fact that Ben Stiller is basically not a good person in the first one. I think he gets a little better, but, like, the first one, he just, like, lies and tries to cover up tracks and, like, everything bad happens because of that. Yes. And I think in the second one, the same thing happens, but less. And then the third one, it is different. It's more, like, dishonest and, like, emotional cheating. But, like, you know, it's all the same stuff. Uh, yes. I think this is better. 
Nice. I, I don't know if I would give it as much praise as you have, but it's, I don't think it is great. a good. But movie. in the context of, of the these three, three, with like the time that they cover in years, yeah, I legit think it's the best one, which I did not see coming. I, no, I did not expect this at all. But this it is was a, a, a shocking twist. I think we just jumped the shark. I think our podcast is going no. Down I think hill. we just. I think that's <laughs> this is the the beginning of a new world. We are. We can save. We are Oscar dirt now. We. You know how, who was it? Oh, there was that one comedian, a guy did a bit a few years ago. I know everyone rips on Guy Fieri. Yeah. And just about how he's like a great guy. I saw him. He was the last stand-up I ever saw. That comedian? Shane Torres. He was touring with Kyle Kinney and he opened for him. And I saw nice. both of them at a union transfer on Valentine's Day last year. Oh, sick. That's yeah. a cool show. And then, like, less than a month later, the world would be shut down. In fact, this week a year ago is when it all started. Like, really started to, like, close yep. down. Yep. Isn't that fun? Yeah. We did it, you guys. We sure did. We made it through. This podcast has survived a year of pandemic. Who the fuck saw that coming? Honestly. I thought one of us would be dead by now. But... Uh, well, Max, do you want to take a quick break and? Yeah, yeah, good, good. I do. I gotta, gotta whiz like the Dickens. I also do. So this is what we go spend a penny, which we... is a British turn of phrase I learned recently I from Ted Lasso. That's a good one. Because they used to, because they'd cost a penny, like pay, pay, pay toilets, pay toilets. Huh. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll be right back. So, Max, I've been noticing. Oh, we're back, by the way. I've been noticing this while recording. And we just took a little break, and I figured I'd bring it up now. What's with the uh, te- tentric sex mouse that you've been using <laughs> this entire time? Well, what is that thing? That, by way of explaining, I'll first point you to this wrist guard. Oh, I get it. You this have sex, huh? <laughs> yep. I, uh, I have what's maybe carpal tunnel syndrome oh. or repetitive strain injury of some kind. Um, got some serious pain in the wrist today, or Yikes. earlier this week, rather. It mm-hmm. actually feels pretty fine now. Um, and two things I did to combat that, because I spend much of my days at uh, a computer, were to get this wrist guard and a vertical mouse. Mm. That's what this is. Lovely. This little neat thing that you can just... its It's an expert level butt plug i'd say um i mean it has a flared base which is important because without a flared base that thing's gone without a trace this thing ain't gone oh no that thing is solid anaconda couldn't disappear this thing oh god uh but it's neat i've never used one before the idea is that a normal mouse you kind of have your your hand palm side down and that puts pressure on your wrist right on the carpal tunnel nerve makes sense carpal tunnel syndrome of course being the compression of that nerve hmm. so a vertical mouse um, is prevents you from moving your wrist in certain ways and keeps pressure off of it the one thing i'm, I'm still trying to adapt to is when i need to use the keyboard i gotta come over the top of the mouse <sighs> No Man. more of that just that's that slide over, that pop over. Now it's a whoop. You're going to lose 10 pounds doing just that. Yeah. My God. 
God. Can you imagine if I lost 10 pounds? I'd be horrifying. (laughs) You'd look so gone. You'd look like a... Uh, Juan Rulia. What was his name? <laughs> Raul. Raul. Raul Julia. Raul. I, mi- I mixed it up. Raul Julia at the end. <laughs> Such a gaunt, spooky man. Oh, excuse me. Uh, so Derns this week between them. I only really have one thing. I've been working a lot and uh, I've been busy, but I watched, I've been going through the Nightmare on Elm Street films because they're pretty good. And I, you might have seen this on my Instagram, uh, UMAX and the several listeners who probably follow me but i was watching the second one the other night and i noticed something ever so peculiar so there's this part of the movie where they take um i believe i'm sorry this is the first one first nightmare on elm street I mixed up my things. But um, they take the daughter who's having nightmares involving Freddy to a sleep facility, like a school, to have her like do a sleep study. And they show her sleeping in like the darkened room, and then they go to the control room. And just think like think about your your set dressing. You're set dressing a what a control room in a sleep lab. What kind what poster would you put up? Just like spitball. What kind of poster do you think? The the blind lady who burned her eyes with the chemicals and didn't use the eye wash. Yes, that's a good option. But no, no, no. They did not do that. They instead decided that this poster, which I will show you, Max, and I will put on the Instagram, a, a San Francisco cable car featuring a kitten wearing a Hawaiian shirt hanging off of it, and there is another kitten clearly driving the cable car. It is. I believe that's a Christmas sweater. Oh, is it? I thought it was a Hawaiian shirt Either for some way, reason. That is not Regardless, to take away from the magic. It is insane. That scene came up, and my eyes were immediately off of the topic of the movie, and I was like, "What the hell is that?" I haven't done deep research, but I really want to find it somewhere. I love it. It's so perfect. And even the thing below it, like the sort of jester silhouette. It's. <laughs> it's like. I don't yeah, even... Kid, don't crop that little guy out. I mean, he's... I feel like he would make sense for, like, the theme he's of the movie and also, like, sleep and stuff. But <laughs> what is the... <laughs> Does this guy just love cable cars and cats? <laughs> it's like they they raided a preschool classroom for art. <laughs> and they just threw it on the wall with some fake recording machinery. Anyway, that's, that's all. Great. That's it. That's, that's all, wonderful. That's all I got. I just had to talk about it to a captive audience. Meeting you. Fair. Thank you. Of course. Thank you. Anything, um, anything between yours this week? Yeah, not much. I talked about that movie for so long. Um, <laughs> it was only an hour and a half. I, I finished rewatching Succession, which mm. I'll reiterate what I said last week. Shit's fucking great. Go watch Succession. Um, that's it. Ooh, what a what a brisk between the derns. I can ask you a dumb that's, trivia question. Thirty for thirty. Um. Yeah. Why not? Okay. We're here. We're here. We only do this once a week. <laughs> Why squander this opportunity? What town? Oh God! <laughs> was Leonardo da Vinci born in? Jersey City, New Jersey. Now, um, I feel like it's a big name town. No, not really. Oh well, perfect. Um. Is it? Would it be a town name that I know? Yes. Is it Da Vinci? 
So close. That is the is clo- it, that is the closest wrong guess. Vinci. Yes. Ah. His well, name means I, Leonardo da Vinci. Once you said I would know, and my brain just clicked, and it was like Da Vinci means from Vinci. Yeah. <sighs> my roundabout clue would have been to say the word Loxley. Lox. Robert to Robert of Loxley. Oh. Interesting. Robin to Robin of Loxley. Robert. Robert. <laughs> Robert. Oh, Robert. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah. I feel like I always, since we're recording on Saturdays now, or sun, whatever day it is, um, recording <laughs> on the weekends now, I always listen to my trivia podcast on Friday, and I always try to think of one of the facts that I just never can. Oh. I, try, I always try to steal from another podcast before yeah, we do you, this. You but. can bounce it back. You got nothing? Yeah. Nothing I haven't asked you, I think. Ah, trivia, trivia, trivia. Jesus playing football. Jesus playing football. Let's just go to that. I'll think of something later. I won't, but who needs it? Next week, I will come up with a good... Tri- I'm going to write down right here. I'm going to do it nice and close to the mic so people can hear. Max Trivia for next week. Great scribble sound. Really good stuff. Good pressure. Man, that looks like doctor's handwriting. Anyway. So, want to talk about sports, Max? I know you love yeah, sports. I know you love sports. I love the listeners could guess. I, I remember Super Bowl. Whoop. Uh, I've seen bas- basketball. I play basketball. It's orange. Uh, cricket. That's what they do in England. They call football. They call soccer football in England. Sports. Gritty. Okay. This movie is in the running for my least favorite Dern. Wow. Yes. For several reasons, I would say the paramount of which I think Laura Dern has less than 10 minutes of screen time in this almost two-hour film. Like, okay, it's the film is called When the Game Stands Tall. It's from 2014. It has a not great rating. Overall, it was directed by a man named Thomas Thomas Carter, who, from what I can find, did nothing else of note. He has directed other stuff, but it's all been, like, direct-to-TV, like, Discovery Channel specials or, like, just other strange movies that aren't really popular like this one. And, uh, yeah, it's a true story. It's a true story of the, I believe, the longest undefeated high school football streak in history, I guess it would be. Um... Uh, you know, now that I say it, I for, just, I think it's DeSalle's, maybe? LaSalle's? LaSalle's, that's no, it. No, that's Philly. No. It doesn't I'll matter, learn. though. Yeah, they, their streak was uh, 150 consecutive wins, 12 tra- straight state championships. Um, And yeah, it's a football movie. De La Salle. De La Salle's, that's it. Not De- <laughs> it would have been funny if you said De La Salle. So, um, as sports, if, if I, what I would say, it opens very untraditionally with a moving speech from the coach. <laughs> because, you know, that's usually something you get at the end when, like, you know, Rudy has cancer and he's going to die, but, like, we got to win it for him. Um, so it opens on that. <laughs> Rudy didn't have cancer, did Didn't he? he? I thought, he doesn't he die? Little. Does he die at the end? I don't think so. I think he was just little. Uh, well. Maybe. Max, I have some terrible news for you. <laughs> You, you have short guy disease. You're done for. You're going to die right after the big game. I can be a leprechaun, too. You know how many leprechaun movies they've made? They're not making another anytime soon. <laughs> it's like, 
That was a Rudy reference, but that might have been oh. too, too sportsy. I, I've never real. seen Rudy, you, oh, as you can tell was, by the fact that it, I thought he died at the end. I'm pretty sure he doesn't, but I haven't seen He played at Notre Dame. <laughs> That's... Irish. Yeah. I'm letting the people outside narrate the podcast until you can decipher what you're Find doing. It. There are too many Rudys. Too many. <laughs> Far too many. Why, if I type in Rudy... You know what I'm talking about. You know which one. I want the movie they with the Rudy Hobbit in it. Yeah, Rudy Hobbit. I'm going to Wikipedia Rudy Hobbit and see if that gets me there. Well, anyway, so it's this montage of them like winning. They have a streak. Clearly, it's a big deal. Um, there's this thing before a game, and it's like all the players kind of standing up and like sharing their feelings and talking, and it's like very like end of high school vibes. Like That's what I felt like when I ended high school. Like everyone in my graduating class of like 140 people was like best friends for a week and then never (laughs) everyone dropped off like i still talk to maybe four people i went to high school with with any regularity i have a friend who did i didn't even go to high school with and i'm better friends with them from that time in my life than the bulk of high school people Mm -hmm. Um, does not die what a uh, good one of the guys stands up and he's like yeah my grandfather has cancer and he can't come to practice anymore to watch but like i go home and i tell him about it and that's the best part of his day that's why he's not dead yet it's just like that's the cliche that is yes that is the level of this but let me add here and now that this movie does not exploit like spouses or education at all they are almost completely avoided, which I feel like is a big thing in sports movies. Like the coach. I mean, there's a little bit of talking right, between the coach Dern and his is wife. The coach's wife. I she is, and we'll get be... there. But like, they butt heads like once over like a little thing. Like she is, she is a background character that just provides exposition, and like education is brought up literally two times, like less than five minutes of screen time. And this is a high school football team. But we'll get there. We'll get there. no. No one fails out of a class and they can't play in the big game. <laughs> Let me say that this is this is bigger than that. This is about the Lord. But we're getting there. So uh, Clancy Brown is in this movie. Who Clancy Brown? You may remember him as the villain from Everything. Um, also, Mr. Krabs. He's um. I did not know that Mr. Krabs is the villain. From yeah. Everything. Well, no, Clancy Brown. He was in um the Green Mile. He was, um... Who was he in The Green Mile? Wasn't he? Or was he in, um, He's the in other Shawshank. one? Shawshank, I think. Captain Byron Hadley. Yes. Right? The warden? No, 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 the no. captain. Like, the He's evil the guy captain. that was in charge. Yeah, it's the warden. No, the warden was the old dude. Oh! Yeah, the warden's the guy that... You know, I, yeah, yeah. I don't want to spoil the Shawshank Redemption. It's only been out for 25 <laughs> okay, years. Okay, gotcha. But yeah, that guy. He's in it. And he's like, a, he's. you could tell he's like one of the player's dads. And for most of this movie, he is, for the literally the first whole half of this movie, he's just, uh, he's, he is a person, he's a character that sits on the bench, like in the crowd and claps. And we just see a close up on him every now and again. And that's literally the reason I kept watching. Within 10 minutes, he was my reason to keep watching, just to see every five or seven minutes him in the crowd just being an older dad like ah my son <laughs> football it the, the tables will turn for clancy brown's story but on to dern she's also there she half of most of her screen time is her just being in the crowd behind clancy brown also cheering or being upset near the end she gives him a little speech about his son becoming a man but we'll get there this movie yeah this movie is also very layered as was yours uh, 
they win another game and they all slide across the field like penguins and I don't is that a thing? I, like like they win the game ice. that's being and they like they win and like literally 20 people just like slide on their bellies on the field. They, yeah, I do like it it's a victory. It, but dance. it it I it Move. felt so much like an animal planet moment. Like I did not understand what was happening. I yes. get it. I get it's a victory, but like so many why? It's so weird. Just because you don't like sports. No, man. I I appreciate sports. I get them. I like them sometimes. But like, I it just like I you would have to see it because I cannot explain how odd of a moment it was okay. just to be like oh normal high school football and then just a bunch of guys. Yes, I was, I was so turned off, and it gets worse. Uh, so. The coach. Were you turned on before that? I was. I was. I was. Ooh, I, like, I, was football, I was rock hard, but now not as much. Okay, so we cut to it's just normal times. We're in like the suburbs. It's the coach and his assistant coach. Let's do some names here. Assistant coach is played by Mike Chickless, who you may know as the Thing from the Fantastic Four movies, Large <laughs> Rock Man. And they're they're running. How large is he as a non rock man? Um, he's a heavier guy, and they're it's him and the head coach running together, and you can like the heavy guy is fucking going ham, and you can tell he's like super out of breath, and he just like runs in the house. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Jim uh, Car Caviezel plays the head coach, who <laughs> also Jim oh <laughs> another role you may know him from is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. <laughs> In the 2004 Passion of the Christ movie, was that it? That is correct. Yeah, so uh, let, let me just start. Which I've never seen. I also have not seen. Let me just start here by saying, I think this movie would be a thousandfold better if it was Jesus Christ and the Thing to teach some high schoolers how to play football. But, you that know. That would be a thousandfold better than most movies. We have to deal with this. Um, there's a point where, um, he gets mail when he goes in the house and it's from a college who wants to offer him a job. And, um, Dern is like, maybe you should think about it. And he's like, I, this team's a family. And she's like, our kids could go to college for free and we could have a better life. And he's like, this team is my family. Cause you know, why would you compromise for your family and wife to have a better paying job with more opportunity? It's fine. Everything's fine, Max. <laughs> Spoiler alert. He doesn't, in the end. He's still a coach for high school football. Well, yeah, he's going to win more games. <laughs> exactly. Keep the streak Keep going, baby. Keep streak, baby. Uh, tell Man. me they lose at the end of this. They don't do Oh, it, it'll happen. We'll get okay. there. Um, so there's a there's a scene where some of the players are like at a diner, and it's like clearly like a in, a in the small town that the team is from or in. There's this one guy who's on the team. He's like the big like uh, defense dude, and he has a girlfriend, and like he talks about having like a purity pledge, and they're waiting for marriage, and the guys are all like razzing him about it, and then that's the end of that scene, and we never talk about that again. But this is where we first get Jesusy, like for, from that moment, it plants the seed of like growing, and then like later there's montages of them training, and then praying, and then training, and then praying, and it's it's it's, it's intense. It gets incredibly religious, like to the point that I could see this being a movie they would show at like a cool like after school like church yeah group, like my, the one my sister's in. Want to give a shout out to the church group? I don't know what it's. It's like one of the national ones that has like branches. It's like I don't know what it's called, but it's like a it's like one that is I'm just kidding. very you to plug the church. Group. I'm not going to even if I knew it, but you know. Ah, uh, man, I don't even know what's happening. 
Uh, oh, so there's this big meeting with like all the coaches, and basically one of the schools is like, you guys have won so many games, you have to be cheating, we're not going to play you. And then the assistant coach stands up and he's like, that's fine, we'll go and play... And he says a team name, I don't remember what it is, but it's basically like just a bigger, like the next conference up, like the winner winners, like the people that no one could beat. And everyone's like, oh, big dick over here. And the then the coach, Jesus Christ, is like, why did you do that? And the assistant coach, the thing, is like, it'll be fine. We're gonna, it'll be great. Don't even worry about it. And then we find out that not only is, is a Jesus Christ the football coach, but he is also a teacher at this school, and he teaches what I can only assume is biblical studies, because that is all he talks about in his, like, three minutes of teaching screen time. <laughs> He's just there, like, talking about the Bible and, like, being, like, oh, like some weird mix between, like, a hip pastor and, like, a very stern football coach. Like, a, like if Tom Landry met a hip preacher. I don't know. I can't think of another, like, cultural reference of a hip preacher, but, like, you know, I know what you know you're talking about. about. But I, yeah. I know what the preachers are like. And like, it's just, it's just so... Like, the fact that the only time they talk about education is biblical education, just... Yeah, it thrives at home. It's like, you know, that's the only... The, edu- it's like the, the polar opposite of the division of church and state. It's like they're just leaning into it. There's something so grotesque about, like football and competition as this like christly thing and it's like you know in so much of this country right those are the two big religions basically and to relate them i mean i feel like this movie does a lot of work to intertwine them in a way that is not good yeah like it's just like it's gross like the idea that like just making them the same thing like they should be separate Kind of. And to prove that um, it's wrong to disregard religion, there is a kid in the class who basically, he's like pushing back a little. And he's like, oh, my aunt was a nurse all her life and she did great work for people and they fired her so she couldn't get her retirement. But like my friends who deal drugs at home, like they make bank and they're doing fine in life. And then immediately the assistant coach, who I guess also works in the school full time, shows up and says like, hey, can you send that kid out? Turns out his mom is dying because, you know. Oh, because he didn't have enough faith in the Lord. If you play God, that'll happen. Also, this kid later dies. But Oh, yes. (laughs) So, you know, that's what happens. Don't don't play with God because he'll play with you. Should have found the Lord. He has has bigger Legos than you do. (laughs) Uh, No one likes the big Legos. Nobody does. I, I actually did when I was little. We had like the what were those called? Like, connects? No, those there were the other things. Connects were the other things. There were uh, a couple different. There was like du- Duplo. Yeah. Duplo. Or, like, Diplo. Diplo. <laughs> Diplo. My favorite Lego set. <laughs> so the coach goes to see the kid and his dying mom, and like, there's this whole like big emphasis of the fact that the team is a family, which also is incredibly overplayed in this movie. Like to the point that I feel it's toxic. <laughs> To everyone involved. <laughs> yeah, they're in a cult. Yeah, but I mean, this this comes off as so much of like a religious football cult, which I feel like football... But is, is it oh. just totally sincere and it's like Jesus' message? I mean... I feel like there are points where it kind of fades out to the point where you forget it's a religious movie, but then like it leans back in so hard where like... 
Like, I feel like big religion prob- helped fund this movie, and they were like, you need to hit these points or else. Oh, <laughs> and I like, that was the vibe I was getting. I, I know Max has not seen this movie. I mentioned it earlier off mic, but um, God is Not Dead, I feel, is very comparable to this, which is a movie about, like, a teacher who's an atheist, and, like, he makes his students sign a thing that says God is dead, and, like, the one student is super religious. He's like, I won't do that, and, like, it's this whole, like, thing. It's basically like that, but the opposite, where, like, there's one kid that doesn't quite <laughs> believe in God, and everyone else does, and he gets punished for it. Amazing. Because, you know, that's the way it should be. So team is family. We see the coach go to his car and he lights one cigarette. Th- this is the first indication that he smokes. And honestly, the first indication that he's really stressed. Because like up to now, everything's going fairly well. He's a coach. Things are successful. He's been winning. It's not even like in season right now. So it's not like he has anything to really be stressed about. So he smokes one cigarette and then he goes home. And then he like, he set dresses his heart attack. So let, let, let's be here. He has a heart attack because he smoked one cigarette because smoking is evil. So there's a thing. Um, and he like, he goes into his bedroom. His wife is on the bed and he like takes off his like win his like wedding ring and he like takes out his wallet and he like tr- prepares the room for the fact that he lies down and then has a heart attack. And then he goes to the hospital, like a famous football player that he coached comes in and like is talking to him. And the, the nurse is like, you had a widow maker. You're so lucky to be alive. And she, then she says, you know, you're not going to be able to coach right away. Like you're going to have to take it off until like halfway through the summer. And of course, every, he's heartbroken. Everyone's distraught about it. <sighs> Sorry, I just need to check my notes because I don't want to miss any of the absolute madness. Wheeling out there in a hospital bed. No, like no, the golden st- it's goose. The stress on his heart, it would be too much. He needs to heal or, you know, yes. Widowmaker Part well, 2. Fucking strap him up to an IV. And then, uh. Pump him full of the good shit. You gotta um, keep the streak alive. The kid whose mom is dying, he, like, he's on a conference call because, like, all these state schools are trying to get him for college and they're, like, sending him gifts, like, they're not supposed to be in it, little stuff. <laughs> And then uh, he says, like, I want my friend who's also on the team to come with me or I won't go. And the school is like, oh, we offered him a full ride, but he hasn't responded. And he goes to visit his friend who lives, like, in a seedier part of town. And he's, like, they're both African-American. And he basically says, like, I I am giving you this opportunity. We always talked about this. We would go to college together, play somewhere that wasn't, like, the inner city where this kid clearly lives. And he says, come with me. And it's, like, you know... What's the word? I don't know. It's like very like, yeah, it is that like very like you got to get out of here. It's like they're trying to dip into every aspect of a sports movie in some way or another, like helping kids get out of the inner city and also like a little bit fighting with your wife and also like Jesus and a heart attack and a soon to be dead kid. We'll get there. Um, uh. So then like the coach, he's taking it easy. He's trying to be a dad. He's like sitting outside and grilling, but he's very bad at it. He's listening to his son play trumpet. Laura Dern comes out and she's like, How, how's the cooking going? And he's like, he won't let her open the grill because it's burning. It's like kind of a, the close, honestly, the closest thing to a sincere moment so far. Aww. Just like the idea that he's like trying to be a dad. But his like older son and him are kind of like butting heads because like his older son wants him to be a coach and he doesn't really know him as a dad. So like when he tries to be a dad, he's like, what are we going to do? Like, you want to go rafting? What do you want to do after that? Win the three-legged race? You can't race? say have a catch. Because <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't play catch because that's just more coaching. <laughs> it's it's the weirdest paradox. <laughs> he really 
painted himself he into a corner. rafting, that classic <laughs> That was what he said. <laughs> I thought that was weird. Because they're in, like, not, they're not, like, in rafting country or anything. Um, uh, the team is fighting, kind of, because the coach isn't there to keep them together. Things are getting iffy. And then we cut to um, the kid whose mom died. Um, or is dying. Grandmother. It doesn't matter. Someone's dying. He is like, dad calls him and says, like, hey, son, you gotta get home. You gotta practice tomorrow. He's like, I'll be home in 10 minutes. And then his friend calls him. And I can't be 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure the person who called him was the kid who he was trying to get to come to college. I, it would only make sense because I don't know why he would, why it would be, why they would feel the need to involve another, like, unrelated person just for the fact of calling him to pick him up if that right. makes sense yeah. so he goes to the party immediately gets shot killed in the street wow it's and like he's driving through like this seedy looking neighborhood and then the house that the party's in is clearly not in that neighborhood like it's like a bit like it looks like almost like a nice fraternity house and it's just so perplexing but yeah he gets shot he's dead in the street the coach gives a eulogy and of course of course of course he has to say, like, he says, I'm the coach of a winning team, but today I feel like I'm losing. I've lost something. He does this, like, that's that's the that's the tone of the eulogy. I'm not going to say it all, but it's that. He says, like, I'm losing today because we I lost this young man. He goes on to do, like, corporate speeches. <laughs> I'm sure he does. Metaphors. God. And uh, let me remind you, we are not even halfway through this movie. Oh, no. All of this has happened. We are not even halfway through. Uh, the coach is back. He comes, like, a little earlier than he should because he says, like, this team needs me now more than ever, essentially. Um, Don't listen uh, to your doctors. Clancy, what? Don't listen to your doctors. Oh, yeah, no. Tuna. I mean, he's still alive and coaching as of 2014. I didn't check up to now, but, you know, <laughs> I don't really care. So Clancy, he's still an audience member. Just wanted to check in on him. He's in the audience. He stands there. He claps. Wears a nice suit sometimes. He's doing great. And they lose. They lose the game. They lost their streak. They're done. We're not even halfway through. We are not even halfway through. We This this moment happens 10 minutes shy of halfway through the movie. So they lose the streak. They they ride the bus back. They're clearly defeated. Like everyone goes into the parking lot. They're all like grieving essentially. And this one guy is like meets with his girlfriend. And then his dad, who is Clancy Brown, basically comes and like pushes him and says like, what the fuck, man? You didn't like do this or that. And the kid is like, I made three touchdowns. And the dad is like, He's like, here, run this now. I want to show you how to do this. And, like, the coach comes in and he's like, you are assaulting this child. You need to stop doing this. So, yeah, Clancy becomes a dick for no reason. And then he is a dick for the rest of the movie. <laughs> because like, for no reason. Because they lost. I mean, yeah, but, like. It's a it, huge reason. Like, it, it, they did not. Sons of three touchdown <laughs> failure. They didn't bring this up until now. Halfway through the movie, he becomes a controlling, manipulative, like, car salesman who didn't get to be a football star, so he's, like, living it through his son. <laughs> At one point, uh, there's some other stuff that happens, but, like, he just, like, booms out. Like, his character is 20 times more semi-important, but he just is a bad dad. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, so, like, they're on the bus. And, like, they're all super beat up, and the coach says, I want you all in the locker room at 8 a.m. tomorrow. Which, I, in my head, I was like, Jesus Christ, I can't know. It was nighttime. I'm not... I need sleep. But they all show up, and they're getting back on the and bus. couldn't handle the rigors of oh, the I, gridiron. I, I could not do football. I could not do the army. I'm very fragile. <laughs> I like my... I have a... I'm fragile. I have a very particular schedule, a way I like to do things. I like to get up at 10, 
and then stay in bed till about 10.30, watching TikToks on my phone. And then I uh, make coffee, get a little breakfast. But not... And then I read. Sometimes I do a little yoga. Nice. I was going to ask when you get your reading done. Um, yeah, usually, like, after I wake up before I go to work, because my schedule is usually I start around three or four in the afternoon. Oh, that's cool. That's a good good way to do it. Yeah, I'm pretty... I think I'm only one book behind of reading a book a week so far. That's amazing. I'm doing okay. But I... The thing is, I want to start bigger ones now, so I'm going to have to decide if, like, those will count as two, or if I just want to, like... Just take longer to read them. I mean, the... I guess that's fine. I don't <laughs> know. The thing is, I'm trying to read 52 this year, just, which I feel like if I get off reading. schedule... I don't know. We'll see. As long as you read every day, then, like... I think... Then you win. Excuse me. My favorite part of this is my grand plan at the end is to then go through all the books I read and get rid of the ones I didn't like. Because this this whole... (laughs) That's your... The whole plan is around discarding these things. I mean, that's not the whole plan, but, like, as I've been reading these, there's, like, two or three where I was, like... I don't need this book anymore. I was keeping yeah. it to read it. I read it once. I'm never going to read it again. I could give it to somebody or like donate it or whatever. I th- that's the backing to this. Because I just have so many books that I've had for so long and they just sit there. Gotcha. So like recently in quarantine, I've been like picking them up, looking at them, realizing like, oh, that's why I got this. I want to read this. And I've been like reordering them like what I want to read next. Nice. I got to do that. Exploring my bookshelf. Because there is some weird stuff. I found a book that I uh, stole from a store a few years ago. And I found out it is the second book in a series of two books. So I had to buy the first one. <laughs> so if nothing else, this has just gotten me to buy more, more books, books. Yes. and then fret over how many books I have and then think I need to read more. It's great. But yeah, I, the, my next big book I want to start is, um, it is a collection of short stories. I think it's called, I found this funny and it's been, it was accumulated by Judd Apatow. Oh, fun. It, it seems really good. Like I there's, like I think there's a story that funny. Steve Martin wrote. Yeah, I don't know. It sounds good. Where were we? Sorry, football. I forgot we were we were doing football. Uh, so he, they get on the bus, and the coach is like, the assistant coach says, do you think this is going to freak him out? And the coach is like, yeah, that's the point. And they get on the bus, and the the kid that didn't want to go to college, he's like a young, like, punk. He's like kind of like, you know, super cocky and full of himself. He's the, He was the one that started some of the infighting earlier before the coach came back. And he, like, he intimidates, like, a younger player to, like, get out of his seat on the bus. So they go, and where they arrive is a veterans hospital. Because, you know, that's clearly where you take your team after the losing game. <laughs> and the whole point, I guess, is to have all of, like... Show them what real losers look like. I, I, I don't know. Like, he takes them there, and he, they split up, and, like, they're, they're working, like, working with, like, injured, wounded veterans... And I, I guess the idea was to, like, build a team mentality again. But, like, they were a pretty decent team again when they had lost the game. Like, they become a better team over the co- like, after this thing. But I don't get why, like, taking him to a veteran's hospital was, like, the team-building exercise that he was like, oh, this'll crack the code. There's there's a bunch of fun amputee Charity. actors in this good. scene. Oh, good. There's, like, one guy and, like, the big players, like, watching him and he just flinches. And the player's like, oh my god, did I hurt you? And he's like, nah, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> and then, like, the coach's son is, like, running on the treadmill against a guy with one leg, and the guy with one leg beats him. It's just, like, a... It's funny, and, like, the cocky young kid gets piss all over him from a, a bag that he, like, accidentally opens on this guy that has, like, one arm and, like, a burnt face. And the guy's laughing. And then, like, he, this humbles him. He gets pissed on, so he's automatically, like, you know, Jesus. And he, like, <laughs> when, he, when they get back on the bus, he, he goes up to the kid he pushed out of the way earlier. He's like, no, I'm gonna sit with you. 
<laughs> like it's just such horseshit. Like from here on out, it is unbearable. It's absolutely painful. I was out loud talking at the television, like, mind. "What the fuck is happening?" I I left for a minute because I was ma- I'm making a cake tonight, and I wanted to check if I had the ingredients. And I came back, and I was like, "Oh, look, football's still happening." Like from this point on, there's nothing to miss. But I'll still talk about it. Um. <sighs> There's a, they do another big, like, feelings fest where they all talk about stuff, blah, 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 doesn't matter. Game day, they're fighting the, they're playing the big team, like the team that they said no one could beat. Uh, It's 100 degrees out. Ah, man. Um, It's half, they, it's going not great. Like, all their, all their first string players are very overworn by the heat and the fact that they're playing, like, a 100 roster, really good team. And, like, everyone they're playing gets basically as fresh and they're all getting, like, recycled. Uh, the coach says to, like, the team medic, like, hey, don't put anyone in unless they can absolutely play, which kind of makes you think, like, maybe there's going to be a real medical emergency at some point, but there isn't. Oh. Like, eventually, like, the first string players are all, yeah, like, the first string players eventually are like, we can go in, we're good. And the medic's (laughs) like, yeah. And the coach is like, are they good? And he's like, like, yeah, I guess. And they play and everything. Like, at one point, one of the guys gets knocked down pretty hard and he has a nosebleed and then he just, like, plugs it up and they keep playing. Like, there's... It, it, it arrives at nothing, which upsets me, because I feel like so many things in this movie set up something and arrive to arrive, nothing. It's a Christ's victory. I guess. But then, like, other times, a thing will just happen and there's absolutely no setup, like Clancy Brown being a dick. Like, yeah. just, this movie just picks up and drops off so... It's like the Bible. It's, it's <laughs> so big, it makes no sense. All the stories... <sighs> okay. How dare you besmirch... A classic text. I've read better like comparing books. Comparing it to this, have you? I got a few new Stephen King short story books, <laughs> and I will. I will definitely like those better than the Bible. Oh man, I don't even know where we are. Um, at one point the re- like it's near the end, and it's like very like back and forth. Like one team scores, the other team scores. They're very close. One of the announcers says, "This is a classic high school football game." and i was like what on earth is happening right now why would you say that out loud with real words uh i don't even know they win it doesn't matter what happens they win they win uh there's still 25 minutes left to this movie somehow amazingly they get back they like ride the bus back and like everyone another kid die no god i wish but no you know, at least, I'm, I know I said I wasn't going to say this, but at least at uh, the end of Remember the Titans, they all died, and that was it. This movie would be so much better if, even if they didn't die, if it just ended now, if they won the big game, and they were like, ah, success. But no, they get back to the school, and everyone has banners that's like Streak 2.0, and the one of the the uh, like uh, journalists is talking to like the, the once cocky, now humble young kid, and he's like, so, how about Streak number two? And the kid is like, that's not really what this is about anymore. We don't really care. We're just a team and we want to play and have a good time and all that stuff. And the guy's like, but what about a streak number two? And every, like literally, like everyone in the crowd is like so dumb, blind, dead set on the fact that they're going to start another streak. And the coach is really upset about it. And all the whole team seems really miffed. And they're like, like, they're like, that's not what the movie's about anymore. And in my head, I'm like, they could have just, it's a movie. Like, it's not real. They could have just like... <laughs> had everyone be okay with the fact that they just want to play football and not have it be about like a made up number uh but they keep winning anyway because it's a movie it it yeah they 
keep going on another so streak. Streak number two. So it does happen because you know, football, Jesus, Christ. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Uh, Dern shows up again. Oh, She's been gone for about forty-five minutes of screen time. And, uh, so they're starting to, like, actually seriously think about, um, taking a college football. He is thinking about taking college football as a position. And the guy from this, I think, Stanford is giving him, like, this rundown of, like, he'll make insane amounts of money. His kids will be covered for school. They'll help them move. They'll get them a house. Like, all these things that sound really nice. And, like, you almost think he's gonna do it. Because, like, it seems like a great deal. It seems like he did his job with his kids. And, like, they're gonna be done. Like, it's not like... When you're a high school coach, you just work with the same kids forever. Like, I mean, it's the same with college, but yeah. I get, but but you know, like, it's not like this kind of thing where he would stay on like a professional team, like to help these same people throughout. Right. But um, yeah. Oh, so so he doesn't though. He doesn't, but technically, you don't know that yet because they don't say that till the very end. Um, so now we're at Dick's Sporting Goods. Obviously, there's a the whole screen is taken up by the yes. camera pointing at Dick's, like the sign on the store. And earlier, there's another mentioned, like, the Dick's pre-show. Really? And, and I was like, oh, so they paid for this movie, too. And they scan down, and you see um, Clancy Brown coming out of the store with his son. And uh, Clancy's like, ah, three more touchdowns, and my son gets the state tight, like, the state, um, num- like, the record for the state. Which is the first time this is mentioned, by the way. First time in the whole movie, it is mentioned that he was that close to a state record. <laughs> and uh, the... The, uh, the coach mentions education for the second and final time in this film. And he says, you know, uh, your son wrote a great uh, dissertation on, like, John Paul 923 or something. You should read it. And they're walking away, and Clancy Brown is like, nerd? What, the Bible? What's he talking about? Learning? And then the kid's like, I actually kind of care about it. And Clancy Brown just, like, pushes him. <laughs> and, no, he doesn't. There's a, the kid said, I care. And then the guy's like, hey, you focus on this record. That'll open so much up for you. And the kid's like... Yeah, this is you're doing this through me. Like he says, what everyone can obviously tell, no. and then Clancy just pushes him. He like pulls him close, and he says, yeah. "As long as you live under my roof and eat my food, you'll do as I say." And I was like, "They just wanted to cliche him up a little they more." They did, and like I feel like that's that's such a weird thing to say it about. Yeah, that's like I feel relevant. like like you won't go hang out with your friends on the weekdays. That seems like a thing you would say that to as a father, and it would be reasonable. But, like, saying that about, like, I want you to physically push yourself to win this state record, like, that is such an obscure, obtuse, un- like, weird thing to be saying yes. you must obey on. And just annoying as shit. Yeah, like, he's, he's just, like, such a cranked-up dick for no... Like, Clancy Brown has almost always played a villain, and I feel so bad because he's probably the nicest guy. Yeah. I think I've seen that he paints. Like he, he's probably <laughs> such a sensitive soul, but he just yeah. looks like that. A regular Hitler. <sighs> Everyone knows Hitler was a real softy deep down, but you know, for the papers, he had to play it up. <laughs> oh gosh. Anyway, now that I just said that out loud, I'm not <sighs> even gonna proud boys you on that one. It's just there. <laughs> as plain as the day is long oh i don't even know where to go um so they're prepping for the big game uh there's like the the big kid is like throwing up because he's so nervous the the dad of the dead kid is like fixing all the flowers around the grave and like it's it's game day they're uh well, that's I don't part even... of the game day montage. Yeah. Like the like, putting flowers on the grave. I, oh, I was trying to remember, like, why is this game important? It's the one... The, 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 it's, yeah, it's for the record. 
And um, looking away, football. Looking away. <laughs> I hope that's the end of your Looking notes. away. No. <laughs> incomprehensible I, phrase. I know what happened. Like, there's notes after, and I, I don't know what looking away... It's looking away, and then in em- ellipses, football. Yeah, you wrote the wrong word. I don't know. So, they play the game, and basically, like, it's getting close to the end, and, like, they have everything set up, and they're, like, just talking, like, he's gonna get his final touchdown. Like, it's all... It's pretty much set up. Like, and they're just gonna let it happen to a degree it's like when there's like 30 seconds left in the super bowl and they just stop playing it's like that kind of same like social contract kind of thing but the kid is like i don't want to do this because like you can tell he's like feels ways about it and like you can see that the coach doesn't the coach doesn't want him to get the record sort of because like i don't know how to describe this like the coach sees in him that there's like more than football and, like, that the record doesn't mean that much to him personally. But, like, in the overall sense of this movie, I don't know why it's it becomes this moral issue now. Where it's, like, such a football-centered, concentrated thing. You think the coach would still just want him to get the easy touchdown and get the record. Right. And even, like, I don't know why he's... Like, I get his dad wants this, but there must be some little part of him that, like, if it's this close and this attainable, like, why not get it? But he makes a big show of not doing it. He, like, goes on a knee and everyone just stops. And they're already winning, so they're going to win the game. But, like, he just doesn't do it. And, like, everyone, like, holds up their hats and shit. And they're like, this is for the coach. And it becomes a weird for the coach moment, despite the fact that, like, the coach was st- is still the coach. Like, he, it's not like this was his last game and he, like, went college after this. Like, he just is still there. Just an old, old man who had a heart attack 12 years ago coaching football in any town USA. And uh, the dad is yelling. He's, like, yelling from the sideline, like, stop the clock. What are you doing? Like, get up. Score the goal. And Laura Dern, like, leans forward because she is right behind him, as she always is. And she's like, you don't understand. My husband's making your son a man. And, like, that's it. Yeah. And, like, I just, uh, I don't know. This movie has such misguided morals and so much religion piped in that it, like, loses its meaning boring it it really is like i just i like i've seen sports movies where there's like a scene where like a player is praying or like in rocky like he prays before he boxes but like it's 10 seconds here and there once or twice a movie this movie is just such concentrated jesus i don't even like and then there's like the they show like they cut at the end from like the movie footage to real footage of that night and like they play, they have the little things where it says like, right. "Coach blah 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 went, on to, went do... on to not do anything else and just kept doing this, and he still does it now." And uh, it says like, "Oh blah 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 didn't get the state record, but the night became an honoring of his coach." And uh, <laughs> wait, but you knew that, or like that? Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> that's not even a future. Exactly, thing. and that's it. <laughs> it's just describing what just happened. Exactly, it's so it's such a bad movie, like. Yeah, that's it. That's the movie. Yeah, that sucks. It was... It wasn't good. Like, I like a good sports movie, but this just... It oh, wasn't... Sounds terrible. It was so bad. I don't, I don't know. I don't know, man. I want a good Christian movie. I need to see The Passion of the Christ. Yeah, I mean, that's Obviously, the one. People, that's the original. It got... It got uh... I mean, you could see that. You could see uh, Road Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> Any, the Lethal anyway. Weapons series. <laughs> the Lethal Weapons, yeah. 
That one where he has like that beaver puppet. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, we're mixing up people. You're talking about Jesus Christ, and I'm talking about Mel Gibson. <laughs> we were both talking about him. Ah, yeah. Uh, Jim Caviezel, though, I will make a mention. Count of Monte Cristo. True. Him as the lead. I love he, that movie. At the beginning, like, you don't see him up close. Like, it's just, like, him as a coach and kind of, like, wearing coach stuff and, like, kind of far away. I really, really, really thought it was Antonio Banderas. For a few oh, minutes, because they're both fun. like similarly built, yeah. like Hispanic men. Oh, that would have been so much better. I don't think he's Hispanic. Isn't is Jim not? Would Mel have cast him as the Christ? Oh, I guess not. I don't know. He's a very tan. He I looks don't know what kind of name Caviezel is. He looks tan Spanish. to me, but he could just be like Italian or something. Anyway, he looked like Antonio Benbe- ben- 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 Antonio Banderas. His surname is Romanche. Ah. Uh, but yeah, very bad movies. Would not Slovak suggest it. Swiss. Hmm. Um, I would say if you want a good sports movie to go watch, um, check out Ford vs. Ferrari, which I watched over the summer when I was at home with my family. Very good movie. It's a little longer than... It's actually about as long as this, and it's so much better. Yeah, I heard that was great. Yeah. Or you can watch Ted Lasso. Or that. Or watch uh, Meet the Titans. Remember the Titans. Whichever the, one you want. Meet the Fockers. Meet the Fockers. Not that one. I feel exhausted now. For different, like last week, I felt exhausted because our episode was so emotionally taxing, and this week I feel exhausted for having to retell just that tale. Yeah, that's a, a real dud. <laughs> but hey, you can't. Win one of us got to watch a, a great film. I week. think. I think next week might be the good one. Oh. Next week, we are watching movies that I would say are not bummers, but are also not, like, riotous comedies. And I would say are... I think I think it's going to be good. Do you want to know what we're doing? I'd love to. I will be watching a movie that I've been wanting to watch, but I've been holding off for this podcast. Thankfully, it fell on my week. I'll be watching uh, Greta Gerwig's Little Women. Nice! Which I, oh, I want to watch it. You I haven't seen it yet. totally can. It is from 2019. I'm so excited. It's one of Dern's most recent pictures. And I feel like it. I feel like it was the same roundabout time of Marriage Story, and it's like a similar, like not a similar movie, but like a similar, like high budget artistic movie. Greta Gerwig adjacent, yes. or inclusive, yes. And you will be watching Afterburn, which is a 1992 television movie about. It's basically like um, Top Gun Lady Detective. Yes. Oh, it sounds fucking fantastic. Um, Laura Dern is like a, she's like a war widow, but she thinks there's something bigger going on. Like she, her husband was in the air force, and then she like snoops and finds out this major government conspiracy. Oh yeah. I you're gonna love it, and I'm gonna love Little Women. I'm excited. This is gonna be like a holy great week. This is gonna be our third week in a row. We go over two hours. <laughs> Probably. I'm sure there will be a lot to talk about in both of these. I am quite excited. Oh. Wonderful. Oh, buddy boy. We have done it again. Oh, we're so tired. We've minted gold. <laughs> <laughs> we turned this podcast into pure money. Ship it, baby. <laughs> Until next time. Until next time, listeners. Goodbye, Darren. Good night, sweet Darren. Good night, sweet Darren.